Blog Talk Radio.
grandfather killed my great-great-grandfather, and your white-great-grandfather sold my great-grandfather, and your white-grandfather raped my grandmother, and your father stole, cheated, lied, and robbed my father. What kind of a fool would I have to be to say, come, my friend, to the white daughter and son? Good evening, America. This is your president. Please listen carefully to the announcement I'm about to make. After careful consideration and research, Vice President Duke, Congress, and myself have concluded that black people have not advanced technologically. Their educational testing scores are on a rapid decline. The vast majority of them are on welfare and producing babies at a faster rate than they can support them. And we will not carry them anymore. We are left with no other choice but to put slavery back into effect. All blacks will report to the designated camps in their area to receive further orders. The only blacks excused will be those serving in the United States military and the police. Any blacks who do not cooperate will be terminated immediately. I repeat, slavery is back in effect. We at war! That's what I told you. I know you heard what the president said, and if the nigga don't move, then he's dead. It's time for us to take the stand. Woman to woman and man to man. Blood rushes through your veins, you feel the fear. Who'd have thought that it could happen here? In the land of the free, home of the brave. The year's 95, you're a slave. When they first hear the news Press play and then rewind and review But the message is clear And it cuts just like the knife You don't surrender, they take your life And I remember some movies my mama used to show me Remember the times when they bought and they sold us We are That's what I told you That's what I told you
it's you liberals who have lifted them up, Howard. Paul, you conservatives make a mistake. You can't afford to strangle hope in people. Without hope, people become dangerous. No, Howard, you liberals have let them invade our society. You give them jobs, political jobs. Paul, you missed the point. It's only the smart ones we move up. <laughs> that makes it even worse. No, no, we have to move them up. If we leave a smart one in the ghetto, he might develop into a leader against us. But if we raise him up into white society, we neutralize him. He feels compelled to try to act like us. He loses his identity and uh, his racial anger, if he has any. He becomes alien to his brothers. They realize he sold them out and they grow to hate him. He becomes worthless to them and safe for us. Uh, no, thank you. In fact, in his love for the creature comforts, except for his color, he's become one of us. It's you liberals who have lifted them up, Howard. Paul, you conservatives make a mistake. You can't afford to strangle hope in people. Without hope, people become dangerous. No, Howard, you liberals have let them invade our society. You give them jobs, political jobs. Paul, you missed the point. It's only the smart ones we move up. <laughs> that makes it even worse. No, no, we have to move them up. If we leave a smart one in the ghetto, he might develop into a leader against us. But if we raise him up into white society, we neutralize him. He feels compelled to try to act like us. He loses his identity and uh, his racial anger, if he has any. He becomes alien to his brothers. They realize he sold them out and they grow to hate him. He becomes worthless to them and safe for us. Uh, no, thank you. In fact, in his love for the creature comforts, except for his color, He's become one of us. We welcome you to Africa on the Move. As your host, Brother Africa, it's always an honor and privilege to come to your home where we can speak truth to the powerful and the powerless. It's the ninth day of July, 2023, and our theme tonight is America was never built for Africa. That's right, we said it. America, we're talking about USA, was never built for Africans. We'd like to invite you to come and join us tonight as we discuss this thing and more. In the process of doing this, we'd just like to remind you some little history as relates to our people daily struggle. On this particular day, on the 9th of July in 1868, the 14th Amendment, that's right, we're talking about the 14th Amendment, Amendment granted the so-called sham citizenship to Africans born in the United States. And Dr. Daniel Harry Williams performed the first successful open-heart surgery in 1893 in this country. So we thought, just to remind you of some History as it relates to our people, and remember, if you don't know your history, you don't know where you come from, and you definitely don't know who you are, where you are going. So remember those two historical facts, and at this point in time, my voice is a little hoarse, so bear with me. I'm going to get started with our party by introducing to you 
our political panelists and analysts for today's program. At this point in time, from the African Women's Association, we'd like to welcome Brother Haki to Africa on the Move. Welcome, Brother Haki. Uh, Brother Africa, <clears throat> thanks for having me. My name is Haki Kamapi Nshoki. Currently, I'm with African Awareness, and of course, Brother Africa, you know my thing, is institution building. But I got to tell you, Brother Africa, I think that when we talk about the struggle that's taking place in the borders of North America, then one thing we have to understand that when we talk about war, it takes many, many facets. Uh, one of the things that are very, very important that we un- underscore is that, in part, when we talk about this war against the masses of people in society, it's a particular uh, war being waged against the poor in the society. Now, this is not happenstance. This, this, war, this war against the poor is by design. It not only divides people, but essentially gives uh, uh, a, a creative scapegoat for the economic ills that inflict in society. So if poor people can be uh, blamed for the economic ills of society, then it frees the capitalist class from any culpability whatsoever. And so when we think about the kind of, the kind of problems they create, in terms of economic and political policy, uh, by blaming poor people, we essentially create a, a platform in which those uh, negative uh, choices that are made by the wealthy are simply disregarded, and they're free to continue on the path of, you know, uh, looting society, making all the money, at the same time, you know, uh, undermining the development or the longevity of the system. So clearly we had to understand this war, so I thought I'd talk a little bit about this war and understand some of the implications of the term is war because a lot of other times people listen to this kind of thing and they tend to believe the propaganda they've been sold in terms of, you know, characterizing, you know, what it is to be poor in American society. But any of Brother Africa, check this out. Now, the icon of elitist philosophy, Ayn Rand, an ultra-conservative philosopher, coined the term objectivism. Now, objectivism is defined as the term that sees man as a heroic being of his own happiness as a moral purpose of life, with productive achievement as his noblest achievement or activity and reason as his only absolute, end quote. <laughs> Implicit in this concept is a Machiavellian disposition where justice is an impossibility, societal cohesion unimportant, while relegating the masses of people as useless. This penchant toward legitimizing destruction and strife in society is deeply ingrained in U.S. institutions, where systematic degradation of the masses is presented in a stylized form, adversely impacting both the material wealth of the poor and the self-image. As the poor navigate a world committed to maximum levels of stress, at least believe will ultimately lead to their early deaths. And the propensity to inflict pain is augmented by capitalism structures that consistently bring the poor for their ordeal inflicted upon them. Capitalism ethos conditions us to believe only through individual achievement can the perils of poverty be avoided. <clears throat> Those who find themselves in poverty is merely a function of inaptitude or a lack of personal drive uh, to stake a claim to economic enrichment in American society. As such, the implication is clear. Providing support in terms of government subsidies is not only wasting funds, but more insidious, unworthy of existence to survive. Now, ironically, uh, attempts to conceal the root causes of poverty are never explored nor afforded platforms to address the systematic failures not only reinforces poverty, but actively encourages its existence. Deeply embedded in capitalism is a desire to maximize political control among the elites. Maximization is enhanced by limiting who has access to money and who does not. 
This reality is epitomized by tax policy that consistently rewards the wealthy, even when tax and wealth could greatly reduce the federal budget deficit by bringing in $30 billion per year. The focus to raise revenues for the state has instead <coughs> consistently fallen on the poor for revenues by implementing higher effective tax rates, eliminating deductions, and inflated prices on food, clothing, and rent. Revenues collected by the state are then transferred to the wealthy at the expense of the social safety net, which compelled capitalism to make mandatory cuts to social services for those who are most in need. Now, upon, <clears throat> upon closer scrutiny of capitalism, the roots of systematic, systematically creating poverty are revealed. First, capitalism's aversion to full employment, or real, in the real sense, relegates the masses to unemployment in order to keep profits for elites high. It is, just, it is worth noting the Federal Reserve is cooling the economy by making money more expensive, expensive to borrow, thereby forcing businesses to lay off or not hire new workers. Currently, in the U.S., there are 133 million eligible workers in the U.S. between the ages of 25 to 54 years of age. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, only 10 million job openings exist. Given this disparity between people seeking jobs and availability of jobs, what sense does it make to blame the poor for being unemployed? Stipulation of of job-mandated requirements to receive government support rings hollow, given Federal Reserve policy in deference to capitalism are systematically destroying jobs and benefit the capitalist bottom line. Why, why, where are the poor supposed to find jobs to avoid being cut off from assistance? Now, the crisis of jobs is even more acute when scrutinizing various U.S. industries. Healthcare and tech industries, the largest employers, recently slashed 93,000 jobs, adding 94,700 jobs. This number is offset by more than 1.1 million jobs that remain unfulfilled. Another industry probably more germane to the poor is restaurants and retail industries. While these industries added 44,700 jobs, 1.1 million jobs are unfulfilled. While, while most would see these unfulfilled jobs as problematic, capitalists see it as an opportunity to enhance profits by coercing workers to produce more by stipulating quotas or threats to their jobs if they fail to accomplish the workload of two, two or more people. This is referred to as productivity gains, an endeavor made inevitable as inflation increases, resulting from the inherent inefficiency of capitalism. <clears throat> now, the importance of revealing these numbers highlighting unemployment is to underscore the needs of capitalists and the needs of the population does not correlate. Interest of the rich and the shareholders takes precedent over all other concerns. Increasing profit margins for capitalists is very lucrative, but revealing this information is well-guarded. Instead, two strategies are used by politicians, both Democratic and Republican, in an attempt to hide this lucrative arrangement by blaming the poor for receiving government assistance, then devising ways to eliminate the poor from help by instituting job requirements, knowing fully well capitalism decimation or elimination of jobs is by design under capitalism structures. Secondly, the level of duplicity or deception employed by politicians to ensure the victimization of the poor receiving government support has increased. Starting in 1996, under Democratic President, former Democratic President Bill Clinton, work requirements for the Supplemental Nutritional System Program, or SNAP, was enacted into law to encourage the poor to be more responsible individuals. The assumption being 42 million people are all lazy and, 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 and deserving of hard love as a, motiv- as a motivator. 
This sentiment has, has prevailed and is currently employed by President Body to disperse the poor enrolled in the SNAP program. Program calls for individuals 50 years and younger to work 20 hours per week to receive assistance. If for whatever reason they cannot secure work, they're removed from the program. Like all, like all agendas, this stipulation is open to interpretation, which states concoct justifications to remove people from the roles. Momentarium imposed on states of disorder of uh, COVID-19 not to kick people off the roles will officially end in July with states already eliminating people from the roles. To date, 100,000 people have been removed with the expectation 135,000 people per month will be removed from the SNAP program into the future. With 9 million jobs lost in 20, year 2022, 6 million unexpected to be lost, jobs to be lost in the year 2023, and the average job loss of 175,000 people per month, the question remains, how are poor people to satisfy their requirement to find jobs or assistance if jobs are disappearing? This question is particularly apt for the African community with 6% official unemployment rate. Unofficially, we're talking about in excess of 14%. Now, the economics of capitalism uses any number of subterfuge to hide its disdain for human life, particularly poor lives. In order to cut through the maze of self-serving BS, just opposing two surveys, one by capitalist establishment and the other by the Census Bureau, under the auspices of the Bureau of Labor Statistics, reveal conflicting information. Establishment sources allege 283,000 jobs created in the year 2022. Household statistics gathered by field research and talking with family states over the same period, 310,000 jobs were lost. Establishment agency says aggregate hours or hours of actual work have improved for part-time and full part-time and full-time. Census Bureau states actually our actual hours work has declined two percent in retail sales and hospitality industry, uh, um, big potential employers among poor in search of work. These reductions in work hours correspond to decrease in wages. Dean Baker revealed in, in the year 2022. Wage growth between October to December increased 4%, down from 3.9% over the last six, six months in the year 2023, down 6.6% since the year 2022. This decline in wages is consistent with Federal Reserve policy increasing interest rates, thereby fomenting unemployment as a means to save capitalism from itself. When establishment figures said wages are on increase, they do so using economic models that exclude certain populations and events that undermine their argument. For example, the labor force participation rates, this is homes to assess employment levels and individuals actually seeking employment. Both the employed and, the, and those seeking employment are considered employed. Let me repeat that. Both the employed and those seeking employment are considered employed in the process creating false statistics of real level of unemployment. If the creation of an arbitrary employment statistics can be created out of thin air, why is it difficult? to understand the injustice of removing poor people from government assistance under the guise of finding work to keep assistance is just as odious. And so, Brother Africa, just to conclude, I think one thing we have to understand is that this, the, the, the war against poor people has, has significant, has, exists for significant reasons. And in understanding that, so when we listen to the narrative in terms of how poor people are betrayed, then we have to firmly understand that poor, poor people serve as a convenient scapegoat for the economy at large. The, the, the maladaptive, the inappropriate policies and, 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 and laws that are pushed by people in positions of power are geared toward the undermining the economy at, per se. 
And as a result of undermining the economy, then certainly when we talk about in terms of the function of the economy, economy functioning uh, actually decreases, which means that you have all kinds of deficits, you have all kinds of, um, uh, as a result, all kinds of unemployment, uh, of lack of value in terms of you know, um, funding schools, uh, affordable houses, uh, employment, and so forth and so on. And so clearly, uh, the, the fault lies with the people in positions of power. But because you being in that class in particular, who controls the, the, the means, the means of, 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 of how money gets circulated in society, they are in the strategic position to ensure that their means, the political class, carry out their will and demonize poor people for a situation which poor people have no control whatsoever over. So we have to fundamentally understand when we hear this demonization of poor people, understand it's, much, it's part of a much broader strategy, and we have to fundamentally understand that in terms of truly understanding what it is in terms of, uh, you know, what is going on in American society. And Brother Africa, I'll close with that. Thank you, Brother Haki. One of the things that got from your your report, Haki, is that there's a old adage that figures may not lie, but liars do figures. So we thank you for your report. Next, we'll move to Brother Moses. We'd like to welcome him to Africa on the Moon. Welcome, Brother Moses. Thank you, thank you, Brother Africa, and greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice, especially the illustrious panelists. It's good to have Brother Aki back. Thank you. Um, uh, I've been in the struggle. My name is Robert Andrew Moses, and I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism during a government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there's one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that Mao Zedong is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. We don't reverse correct verdicts. I'm pro-choice, and I vote. I bear witness that women hold up half the sky. Therefore, I'm for the Equal Rights Amendment, ERA, yes. Struggle continues to be to unite the many to defeat the few. We have what we call a Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth, uh, and I think we sum up the Bible um, for the practical uh, living. Uh, well, it would be, to me, don't have a baby by anyone who you're not married to. It's as simple as that. It's a, it's a narrow way, but few are they who find it. And um, I think, like, um, we have to continue to struggle on all fronts, the economic, political, and theoretical fronts. And um, the, the theoretical victory of Marxism, everybody's a socialist, everybody's a Marxist now, and uh, the theoretical victory forces, uh, forces opportunists, people who are, who are trying to take advantage of the situation to use it for their own interests. It forces them to cloak themselves in Marxist garments in order to do that. And so the struggle continues to be, between sham Marxists and genuine Marxists, between the correct path and the incorrect path. And ultimately, it's a struggle between the mind and the heart, and the heart has to have love for the people in order to really grasp what is necessary to be done. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. You were really rough on people who not marry her. Thank you, my brother. Next, we'll go to... By the way, Brother Moses is a member of the D.C. Metro Coalition. 
in solidarity with the Cuban Revolution, as well as the next panelist analyst, Sister Eleanor, we're bringing in. Welcome to Africa on the Move, Sister Eleanor. Good evening, Brother Africa, fellow panelists, and to our listening audience in the United States and abroad. My name is Eleanor Johnson. I'm delighted to be on this evening's show. Um, welcome back, Brother Haki and Brother Anthony and Brother Maurice. Um, I am an environmentalist, an artist, and a human rights advocate. Um, early in my life, I was an educator and uh, hope to still contribute to the advancement in education of our youth. Uh, right now, I've been struggling uh, with some health issues and uh, that we should always continue to study, to pay attention to what is happening in the world around us and to look at what is happening right here that the United States has, of America has decided to give cluster bombs to the Ukraine when in 2003 they decided not to use them because they posed a human rights violation in their danger. Uh, and uh, I just don't know uh, exactly where we're going, but global warming right now is the biggest issue we can we faced in the past week, and uh, it uh, we had the hottest days in 124 thousand years. I understand. So anyway, thank you so much for allowing me to participate in this evening's forum. There's so much to discuss, and I look forward to participating. Thank you, Sister Eleanor, and to our listening audience. I'm Brother Africa. You're listening to Africa on the Move. We're going to take a station break. We're going to travel down the road in liberation by using music as a tool for liberation. When we return, we want you to come and join us by dialing in at 323-679-08. We're going to go to our segment, What's Going On in Your World and the Community. Part of this segment coming up, we're going to discuss this question of the recent decision by the Supreme Court as relates to affirmative action, uh, an incident that took place in Walmart as relates to, again, institutionalized racism and racism as relates to African people. And also we discussed the issue of the relationship between the police, power, and the media. Those will be some of the areas we discussed, what's going on in our world, and we'd like to hear from you as well. What's going on in your world when we return? This is Brother Africa, and you are listening to Africa on the Moon.
in a melon Quite illegal You're in a melon Dig out me go In a melon Digging out me pearl In a melon Dig out me diamond We have to fight, 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 fight Dance apartheid
Okay, I'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the Move as your host, Brother Africa, on the ninth day of July, 2023. And our theme tonight is America was never built African. We'll be discussing this theme um, pretty soon, but in the meanwhile, we're going to make our transition to our first segment of this program, What's Going On in Your World and the Community. As each panelist and analyst give their, their update on what's going on in their world and their community, we ask them to do a summation within three to four minutes. And after that point, we discuss our three chosen articles for this section. This question on the recent decision by the Supreme Court on affirmative actions as it relates to universities. Incident that took place in one of the Walmarts up in the northeast, northeastern section of the United States, and this question of the relationship between the police, power, and the media. So, on that note, like we always tell you, we're going to be in the seat and we're going to take the heat. As we define it, we're going to stand behind it. We may not give you what you want, but we'll do the best to give you what you need. So, with that backdrop, speaking to the powerful and the powerless. Brother Hackey, we can come back to you and ask the question, what's going on in your world? What's going on in your community, Brother Hackey? Well, Brother Africa, you know me, I have to uh, I have to keep it 100. And, you know, when we look at the, the flow of history and we see the very horrible things that historically have t- taken place, we understand that America is not immune from similar kind of tragedies. And one of the things that we have to understand, with the decline of capitalism comes uh, the, the inevitability, you know, of mass destruction in terms of lives of people who live within the borders of North America, not just in the borders of North America, but throughout the world. Well, clearly, you know, I, I think that after, you know, this is very, very, for a lot of people, very, very problematic, but I felt just in all honesty I have to talk a little bit about in terms of the, the possibilities of, of certain kind of actions taking place in society, which are uh, catastrophic uh, to, to, to particularly, you know, to working and or African people in the society. Uh, so when I talk about catastrophic, I got to be very, very clear that, you know, when we talk about in terms of the level of antagonism that exists uh, across racial lines in American society, and we can't dismiss the reality that in terms of the kind of threat confronting African people is a very, very huge threat. And I think we have to understand fundamentally what that threat is. And if we're going to sustain ourselves, if there's any hope of longevity in the society, then we have to fundamentally understand the, the flow of history and all that entails. Any of it, Brother Africa, I'm going to try to rush through this because we only got four, three to four minutes to do this. So I think this is relevant in terms of people understanding in terms of where we are in terms of history. Many went Brother Africa, check it out. Now, much discussion has taken place with regard to fascism, authoritarianism, and totalitarianism in U.S. society. But what has not materialized is the ramification of such concepts as these systems of power consolidate and show destruction in life they would bring as such systems are validated by ruling elites. For Africans and other ethnic and lifestyle minorities who are characterized as America, America's enemies, potentiality of being targets for far-right extremists should not be dismissed, as right-wing politicians agitate for the return to a fictitious U.S. that never existed, all the while touting the, leg- the legend of a white homeland unfeathered by economic strife, complying Africans who knew their place, and white solidarity 
occupied American consciousness, many of these falsehoods are accepted as truth with the destruction of books and systematic elimination of historical facts by destroying curriculum that questions. The ruling class is creating a population of right-wing fanatics who are primed to carry out mass violence in the name of patriotism. Currently, it is estimated 12 million right-wingers express support for using armed violence to achieve right-wing political objectives. This desire to inflict pain on de- or death on those perceived as different often serve as a catalyst to act out these destructive impulses. Racism, no doubt, plays an intimate role in legitimizing attacks on perceived others, but is often spearheaded by government narratives specifically designed to inflame passions while simultaneously dehumanizing ethnic minorities. When Governor of Florida Ron DeSantis, I'm sorry, Ron DeSantis, and other right-wing politicians banning African history insisting it has no value in eliminating any discussion and businesses addressing inequality in the workplace, he does so to undermine the value of African lives. In doing so, he reinforces long-held prejudices that justifies discriminations in Africans. Equally important, he creates racial divisions that serve the interests of the elites. Without divisive strategy to divide, the possibility of Africans and whites working together will constitute a threat to a system designed to benefit the wealthy. Racial demarcation makes economic exploitation possible of both Africans and whites, otherwise shielding the wealthy from accountability. Now, in the case of Japanese internment camps and the Tulsa massacre, so-called Black Wall Street, government officials were implicated in creating the conditions sufficient for many whites to carry out aggression. Government's role in creating conditions to ensure mass violence is carried, carried out is often an imperative for the survival of the system. Declining economics are often the pretext for government to stimulate conditions necessary for citizens partaking in violence against groups the government deems expandable. Your scapegoating of other groups to consider the declining state of the economy benefits the elites in that it obscures elite's role in formulating economic policy, political and otherwise, that directly implicated in the decline of the economy. And in the U.S. is no different. U.S. economic decline has sharply increased with the economic emergence of China and Russia. This economic decline increased further with the establishment of the BRICS trading bloc. BRICS is Britain, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Economist Richard Wolff quoted, in 2020, marked parity between total GDP growth of BRIC nations and G7 states. And the G7 states, of course, are the U.S., Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, and the U.K. He noted not only, not only was BRIC's economic growth superior to G7 economies, BRIC now accounts for a third of all the world's economy, economic growth, while G7s account for a little under 30%. The fact 24 other states have agreed to sign on to BRIC will not only imperil U.S. economy, but also make the drive of or maintain the U.S. economic control of state economies impossible. BRIC's impact on the global economy not only indicates improved trading, but impacts the financial liquidity that drives the global economy to the benefit to the benefit of the U.S. specifically and the West generally. I am referring to the role of the U.S. dollar. BRICS example is challenging. The reserve status of the U.S. dollar has inspired other states. Increasingly, many states are no longer beholden to dollars for trade or investments. Instead, many states are using their own currency for trade and investments. Many states pay the value of their currency to either the Russian ruble or the Chinese yuan. Consequently, rejection of the dollar has resulted in less need for the dollar resulted in central banks throughout the world reducing the amount of dollars purchased. Currently, dollars held by central banks have declined by half. With this decline in dollar, foreign exchange co- comes a decline in the value of the dollar. 
This economy dollar's values, value, along with U.S. weaponization of the dollar to harm other states' economies, prompted Saudi Arabia to reject the dollar scheme where it accepts order, orders for its oil and currencies other than the dollar. Succinctly stated, the elimination of dollars as reserve currency means lack of dollars undermines U.S. ability to secure loan payments in dollars. Without the inflow of dollars, lending or borrowing becomes difficult, thereby increasing budgetary U.S. deficit. In a nutshell, U.S. debt is no longer subsidized by the world at the same level as before. Against this background, elites along with right-wing officials need a subterfuge, a scapegoat, to distract from a decaying economy. Perhaps at this point, it is clear why the attack on critical race theory, gay rights, destruction of historical books, and the veneer of racist narrative by mainstream media nightly are presented, all designed to condition U.S. citizens of the internal enemy and the necessity of getting rid of such enemies. Now, the narrative of internal enemy is the key to ratcheting up far-right violence ultimately resulting in mass deaths. In the case of Japanese internment camps in 1941, Japanese were painted as national threats. One year later, President Roosevelt signed Executive Order 9066 authorizing internment. Many years passed before any acknowledgement <coughs> for any knowledge of what it transpired was in jest. Excuse me. On one year later, President Roosevelt signed Executive Order 9066 authorizing internment. Many years passed before any acknowledgement what transpired was unjust. Despite realization what happened was morally repulsive, the U.S. Supreme Court on three different occasions ruled were legal. Implicit in the Supreme Court's rulings were internment, internal enemies defined by the states under auspices of federal law were legally permissible. In fact, eight years later, Congress passed the Internal Security Act of 1950. Under this act, Title II stipulated detention or concentration camps are mandated for likely spies and saboteurs, and saboteurs during an, an internal security emergency declared by the president. Between 1952 and 1957, the law was expanded to include the establishment of six internment sites throughout the U.S. specifically for those arbitrarily described as problematic or terrorists. Keeping in mind, this designation as terrorist does not merely attach to what you do, but more important, what you think. The irony is while these internment camps were shut down and sold to, to states by 1971, the push to reestablish concentration camps, we emerged with the stipulation seven, not six concentration camps, be established in proximity to railway lines. This time, Congress will no longer have a state over interning large numbers of people. That function will fall under, under the purview of the president under emergency powers under the rubric National Emergency Expenditures for Nominated National Defense Authorization Act activities. Currently, funding Currently funds to the tune of $857 million, along with the caveat in the disclosure of government information and crime, establish a president would suggest internment of large, large groups is a, is a succinct possibility. And with the election of right-wing presidents, the odds increases emergency powers will be enacted as the economy continues to deteriorate. Now, in conclusion, final solution to prevent economic decline for falling empires like the U.S. is impossible to achieve based on history. One such attempt is to use a central bank digital currency to, to slow economic decline. But such policies would likely hasten the decline of the economy for four distinct reasons. First, it is a negative impact on the bank's ability to remain solvent. Banks will fail as a result of, of this measure. Secondly, loss of fees from currency exchanges. Third, banks no longer strategically determine terms of interest. 
Uh, and fourthly, reduced role of dollars is, was very inflationary in the short, over the short term. This move would not save the U.S. economy because it would not save the U.S. economy. The search for internal enemies thrives with that end. The internment of large groups of people isn't ever so close. So in, in saying that in conclusion, Brother Africa, I think what we're going to have to understand is that if we have the structural problem in terms of uh, the structural dimensions of the capitalist society leading us to, de- to decline, uh, it only makes sense, as far as the ruling class is concerned, that you have a steady stream of scapegoats uh, to take the responsibility for the declining economy. And unfortunately, given the fact that the low literacy rate in American society, many, many people believe, in fact, that whatever they're told on television, they believe it to be true. And because they believe it to be true, they're more, they're more, uh, 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 more inclined to actually carry out uh, the destructive policies of the state under the guise of patriotism. So clearly, we got our work cut out for us, and understanding this historical economic reality uh, uh, is key in terms of any longevity in society. So none of us should dismiss the very real threat that African people are confronted with in society as the society continues to deconstruct. And I close with that, Brother Africa. Thank you, Brother Haki. It seems to me we have been down this road before. We've seen this playbook before. That's why I point for us to learn history. So right now, we're going to make our transition to Brother Moses. What's going on in your world and the community of Brother Moses? Thank you. Thank you, Brother Africa. There's the Donald Trump campaign is my, uh, and the DeSantis and the Republicans uh, and their agenda is opposed to communism and socialism. And so they are the direction of the main blow in terms of the strategic orientation and and the struggle. Uh, Meanwhile, there's, there's things that we live in a political economy, and that means people are the most important thing in terms of the eco- economics and, uh, and how people expand and grow is critical to whether what the future is going to be like. We have to have real values, real values. Um, and so, you know, there is such thing as love, and love is what what pushes this world around. Love is what's making the world go around ultimately. And so we have to have uh, uh, boundaries and um, uh, structure in terms of love, uh, responsibility in terms of love. And so so um, that's why it's so important that, that we take self-determination, that we, did, we have a program a proactive program, the positive program of how we're going to live, what we, what's acceptable and what's unacceptable, and in uh, in this, and so we learn how to control our lives, how to govern our lives, uh, in in that process, and so that's why it's so important to not produce a, a child out of before with with someone you're not married to. Um, because it makes it different in terms of the political economy. It makes the terms, it has all kinds of implications. Uh, um, uh, it's one more, one more person to be educated as to what needs to be done. And they come in, they come in uh, uh, at a disadvantage in terms of their parent, parent, parents not being married. 
and therefore they have they had nobody's real taking real responsibility for them really uh there's a there's lip service and uh, and uh, uh efforts but real responsibility has been lost and so those this is a this is a key a key government uh, origin of the family private property in the state uh, you know we we have to study history study study um the evolution of of society and what and have scientific socialism we we can't just rely on emotions and and common sense and feelings and and uh we have to have scientific we have to look at the reality of the situation and know the underlying laws of the situation and govern ourselves accordingly and this is this this is critical in in, in my mind uh, the, if you can be a master over this little thing, then you can be a master over the world eventually. But you have to start by taking self-determination and uh, have a program of action and a positive, positive program, affirmative actions in terms of uh, uh, um, eliminating injustices. Uh, because it's, uh, injustice anywhere is a threat to ev- justice everywhere, and so we have to start with a just relationships, a human relationships, human relationships, and they have to be just based upon fairness and uh, and uh, compassion and empathy and love and and charity, and so uh, this is a struggle to, to create a new a new human being, a new human being. We're not just this capitalist, uh, self-oriented, profit-driven human being, but a new human being that's socialist and communist in, in aspirations. And that's why it's so important to study the communist movement from Marx, who, in, who founded communism, Engels, who, 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 who elaborated and uh, furthered that the theory, Marx, Engels, Lenin, Stalin, and Mao Zedong, uh, they they are the, they they historically have um have put ideas out in the world that are progressive and that if people study them the world would be in a lot better place um and and we would understand what needs to be done a lot better uh but anyway I'll leave it right there thank you we like to thank you brother Moses and brother Moses you know how we speak to the powerful and the powerless. We even speak to ourselves sometimes. But just probably not going very far away on us. I appreciate it. But let's move on to the next one. Sister Eleanor, what's going on in your world in the community? Well, the, the weather has been uh, a tremendous factor affecting people and working classes around the world. And the other thing are wages. And uh, the working class, um, uh, an example, are union wages versus non-union wages, groups like Local 25 here and hotel workers and and their salaries. And the real reality right now is that as Brother Haiki was talking I couldn't help but be reminded 
of those people that work every day in supermarkets and in the dry cleaners and as baristas and uh, Starbucks and do not earn livable wages, how the U.S. economy is set up to require them to depend on SNAP benefits and housing assistance and how this is a means of controlling the people. Um, I see this as uh, outrageous and dangerous, and it's a distraction to the people. Uh, Ronald Reagan said uh, back when he was running for president and that we were educating too many people and the wrong people in the United States. Ergo, we saw this week that the Supreme Court knocked down the $20,000 of forgiveness that uh, President Joe Biden had hoped to offer many uh, American workers or former students uh, offer their student loan debt. And uh, we see that this did not happen. We also saw that affirmative action was knocked down in terms of um, getting an education and the role that race plays often in uh, um, getting an education. So um, we see the inequity in the United States and, and this lack of justice for its citizens and the fact that the formerly enslaved people continue to suffer as they labor as wage slaves in the United States. We also um, saw that uh, not only was affirmative action laws and the student loan forgiveness uh, defeated, but we see that... uh, Uh, the writing of uh, Clarence Thomas was so phenomenal to believe his views uh, was so far removed from that of the people. But we must remember that he's being subsidized by a billionaire. So we are seeing more than ever that the people must be united, that we need to help each other, I spoke to a doctor just today who talked about during COVID how doctors were suddenly placed in a position of making decisions over who would live and who would not based on availability of resources and how organization around social organization, friendships and support, Uh, determined much of who would survive and who wouldn't because those left alone are easily left to die because of a lack of support. So we realize more than ever, I think, this is a call for people more than ever to stand up and support those in their community. Often you hear people talking about, I'll pray for you, and they have a long prayer list, but they have to actualize that by going to the place the the sick are, to where the shadows are, 
and making their presence felt and known. And uh, we see that this is uh, urgent crises. Uh, we see that uh, Guatemala, for example, this week, that the right-wing authoritarians, nine organizations, wanted to overturn the recent election, that, that had problems with the election in Guatemala. So we see the struggle continues for democracy. And uh, we also saw that the U.S., again, is deciding to use cluster bombs, provide them to uh, the Ukraine in the war, in the proxy war that the Ukraine is fighting with Russia for the United States and Great Britain as we try to marginalize Russia and make their resources commodities and undermine another nation state. So that's about it. Um, I uh, hope that uh, we will begin to see study groups and other groups develop throughout our community and see people beginning to uh, be informed as to what is going on in the world right now and how we can organize to affect worker liberation. Thank and you, Thank you, Sister Eleanor, and I believe we have our brother Subukwe who has joined us, 2714. We will bring him in and ask him what's going on in his world and community. Welcome, Brother Subukwe. Greetings. Uh, my apologies for running late. Um, uh, greetings, Brother African, and, and greetings, uh, fellow panelists. Um, happy to be here tonight. Uh, so, a couple things is going on. In my world, uh, the first thing is this drug called fentanyl is running rampant in our communities, and it's kind of funny that uh, this after the opioid when he, when we had the opioid epidemic, uh, it was a lot of lot of crowd because uh, it was affecting mainly um, our white uh, brothers and sisters, if you will, the white uh, working class people. It was affecting their communities, and this one you see this outpour of we need more medical resources, we need more economic resources, we need this and that, or we need to have more and more workshops on how to combat this, but this fentanyl crisis, you don't hear anything about because it's affecting a lot of our African brothers and sisters. I had two cousins who died overdosed off of fentanyl, or not overdosed, just died off of fentanyl, or what have you, um, and celebrities are, are, are dying off this stuff. Uh, rap, rappers like DMX, uh, Shock G, um, and also Coolio uh, has confirmed to have been dead for, for, uh, from this stuff. But it's always ironic because we look at the fentanyl, they say, oh, it's drugs. Oh, we got to stop doing drugs. No, 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 no. And we do. We got to stop capitalism because now you have an issue with the United States of, a, of a, the United Snakes of America is trying to point the finger at China uh, for having, uh, you know, for for for, for being trying trying to criminalize criminalize China 
as saying that, oh, this is a get back. They 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 giving us all this fit and all as a as a as a as a retaliation of what happened with the opioid crisis during the 19th century with British or what have you or, or with the British. But this, this thing is 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 really running rampant, and you know, and it's just capitalism at work again. They're profiting. Uh, it, it's a cheap drug to make. And our brothers and sisters who are involved in selling drugs, you know, they are capitalistic. This is this is you're you're you know you're you're doing capital capitalist. Uh, you have that capitalist mindset. It's it's it, it, cheap to make. We're going to do this. I got to get my money, and you're going to sell this stuff to your people, and it's it's just killing. But it's not y'all are not the not the uh, villains in my book. The true villains are the capitalists who create uh who force who create this type of lifestyle for uh our brothers and sisters to become um a lump and prolet uh lump, lump and proletariats or you know or you know uh, you know they be, they be, they be these type of elements um to profit off their people and it's parasitic it's ex- exploitive and and and, it, and the root of it is capitalism and capitalism need to die it need, it need to die quick and it need to get out of here. And I conclude, Brother Africa, by saying, can you, I'm going to ask, ask you a question and, and, and help me understand because you've been at this longer than I have. I'm trying to understand why we don't uh, fight for more, why it's, 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 it's like it's a no-brainer. You have a system of socialism and communism that would bring higher higher techniques and increase uh, techniques to increase labor productivity, provide all around, all around education, scientific, scientific and technical education for all people. It would bring high education for all people, development for all faculties, uh, culture, knowledge, shortening the work day, the working day, right? You would have a short working day. You wouldn't have to work 12 or 15 hours. This enough so you can, uh, uh, pay your rent barely. <laughs> you, you, we're living paycheck to paycheck, but this is the stuff that a socialist system will 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 will, will bring into tuition. Into tuition, because I know daily on this program, and, and one of my uh, cousins told me that we do a lot of uh, we talk a lot about talk about about socialism, bring socialism, bring socialism, bring you know communism but we don't elaborate on what is it what is the system look like so this is what my attempt to tell uh my people what it looks like you know uh providing full maintenance for all citizens who are not able-bodied to work you understand what i'm saying rent-free housing free travels and, and i'm not just trying to promote the the, the, what's free and all of this, but you'll be free. It's a free system. It's a humanistic system. It's a people-oriented system. It's not a profiteer system. It's not a system that that benefits of of profit. It's not a. It's like we was talking with the fitnaw situation. It's not a situation that's going to give you a comprador or a trader like Barack Obama, who signs into a, a, a who signs a blue alert bill, a blue alert bill to protect police officers because after those police officers got killed in New York, he signs this bill, and, and and next thing you know, we have a Blue Lives Matter movement, thanks to your President Barack Obama for that one. He signed that bill, and, I, and he gave that uh, passionate speech that a lot of uh, masses of our people got mad at him about, 
after the brother in Texas, Micah X, killed two police officers because he, he didn't have that same passion for those police officers who was murdered that he had for uh Philando Castile who was murdered, who was killed. So this is this is this is this is this is what a, a socialist a communist system would bring in to uh, intuition. It would bring in a borderless Africa, a free free Africa. It would bring in our labor not being exploited, the people's owning the means of production. You understand what I'm saying? Owning the means and the modes of production. Not having it in the hands of, of, of a few people, of fastest people, white European people, a certain class. It would be a classless society. These people are parasitic. They are devils. They are worse than mosquitoes, ticks, leeches. These are the people that want us to continue to be at each other's throats. These are the people that want us to be continue to, to be uneducated, confused, entertained, pacified, drunk, high, entertained, whatever you want to frame it, and lost in the in the, in, 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 in the days. They don't want us to read, and, and we have to read. Sister Eleanor, I agree with you. We do need more study groups, but those study groups need to be directed into a revolutionary political socialist ideology pan-African of African people group. They're talking about uh, Nambia. Uh, Germany is coming out uh, to, uh, to, to Germany uh, coming out. Uh, well, uh, let me backtrack. A journalist from Germany saying Germany need to take is taking credit Germ- uh, for the Herero people, the 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 the, 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 the genocide of the Herero peoples. Uh, and Anama people in, Namib- in Namibia. And you got European people living and all it throughout South Africa. Namibia is in South, basically South Africa, but near Botswana, South Africa. You got European in Nib- Namibia saying that they're not leaving. That's their land. My aunt, They said their ancestors came and found that land, and they run that war, the battles against the Herero people. They killed thousands of Herero people. They ran them out and dry, and they dried a beat. Uh, dehydration. That's what's going on in the world, brother Alpha. You know, and just just fired up, man. We we, we definitely, in the words of brother Anthony, we have to uh, organize more than ever. And it sounds good, you know. Organized means you really have to put the work in. We really have to put the work in. You have to get the right books. Study uh, Sekou Ahmed Touray. Study study Kwame Touray. Study Patrice Lumumba, study Thomas Sankara, study Kwame Nkrumah, uh, Amakar Cabral. Not only read and study, because there was a wise man by the name of Kwame Nkrumah who stated that political thought without actions is empty, is useless. It's useless if you're not doing anything with it. You're just holding all of the education to yourself and not going to use it to, to, uh, to, to, to uplift and develop your people and progress your people. You have to, it's one thing that to try to, you, you want to become educated and learn this information, but you have to put it in action. And that's what I will conclude on tonight. Thank you, Brother Africa. Thank you, Brother Sabukwe. And we will continue the discussion around this question of um, socialism, communism, and systems that are an alternative to capitalism and imperialism. What I would like to do at this point in time is take a quick um, revolutionary culture break. And when we come back, we'll continue the discussion of what's going on in our world and the community 
by talking about three particular articles that were set aside for this particular program. This program will be a part two, part one or part two program, as we discuss the theme, America was never built for Africans. So at this point in time, we're going to take our Love you share a culture break, and when we come back, we will continue this discussion, and we encourage you, the listening audience, to call in and share with us as well what's going on in your world community. But when we come back, we have political panelists, analysts, we want to discuss, uh, or let's say have your critique on the recent decision by the Supreme Court where they voted upon that affirmative action can no longer be used at higher educational institutions and universities. In essence, they say it has no place in the society. So we'd like to know what that means to critique that decision as we critique the article where they talk about uh, the court justice Contangio Brown Jackson accuses Clarence Thomas of having an obsession with race consciousness and relying on many more scrub men that can be listed in his affirmative action opinion. We're going to discuss this article more when we return. As we go on our particular um, culture break, we just want to make this statement and make a clear statement in terms of when we say rest those presidents, we talk about all of them, all of my crooks that have committed crimes against humanity. We'll be right back. This is Brother Africa on Africa on the Moon. When I dropped the mic, it hit the floor like Thor. That's right. Can't pick it up no more. Don't even try. Y'all know what it is. Y'all know what it was. Y'all know what it shall be. Get smart for the shit start. Before it get dark, before they hit you with the pitchfork, better crib walk, crib this walk. is real talk, smoke push, ambush, then we peel off, <laughs> niggas still rolling with the wheels off, always looking out for the crisscross, I'm a bigger boss than Rick Ross, always winning, nigga get lost, it's the warlord, bring the voodoo, when I bail through it's crazy like Bellevue, what they tell you, leave that boy alone, like home alone, yeah. fuck a skull and bone, arrest the president, you got the evidence, that nigga is Russian intelligence, when it rains it pours, did you know the new bike was orange, boy, you're showing your horns, they trying to replace my halo with thorns, you so basic with your bait sticks, let's go ape shit in the matrix, arrest the president, arrest the president, arrest the president, you got the evidence, arrest the president, arrest the president, arrest the president, you got the evidence, I took back my eyes, and all black tonight, that's right, some niggas gotta sacrifice, not a criminal, no, I'm a seminal, yeah. I was free once, now I'm clinical, you so technical, this was Mexico, now everywhere I go is owned by Texico, fuck them, fuck them and the rest Hell of you, yeah. I turn a fool to a backhopper, I'm a roll with the aliens, man fuck these homo sapiens, they don't really wanna make friends, all they want is a Mercedes Benz, all they want is they dividends and decibels, fuck these citizens, They'll treat us like hooligans Throw him in, they don't care what school he in These people don't play fair It ain't even fair at the state fair Give a young nigga gray hair That's why I'm here Make your ass lay there You 
better stay there. Close your fucking eyes like it's daycare. Make myself clear than Shakespeare. I'm here to take money, even fake hair. So desperate is what I'm left with. For the record, you affected. Who you elected is so septic, so full of shit. I can't accept it. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. I reside on the west side. I murder with my third eye. Nigga so fly, get a bird's eye. I make him scream bloody murder. Let's meet at the White House. Run in and turn the lights out. Man, they treat it like a trap house. These motherfuckers never take the trash out. They just cash out and mash out. Nigga, take your drugs and pass out. Niggas love to go that fast route. I see you when your black ass get out. Homie, you play too much. Why these devils, they doing way too much. Most of them won't say too much. Why they steady planning? God knows what. That's why I roll with the real ones. Real ones, trying to reach millions. Real ones, trying to make billions. Real ones, dressed like civilians. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence.
We'd like to welcome you back to Alpha Golden Moon. As we said in the seat, we're going to take the heat. We will continue our discussion on the segment of what's going on in our world and in, the, in your community, and we'd like to direct your attention uh, to the article that was created titled Contagion Boyle Jackson Accuses Clarence Thomas of Having an Obsession with Race Consciousness and Relying on Many More Straw Men Than Can Be Listed in His Affirmative Action Opinion. It talks about the Supreme Court struck down affirmative action in college admissions in a 6-3 decision this past Thursday, actually two weeks ago. Also talking about how the court two so-called African justices sharply criticized each other. Arguments in their opinion, and Ms. Brown Jackson said that Clarence Thomas' opinion showed an obsession with race consciousness. The United States Supreme Court struck their affirmative action in college admissions in a 63 decision two thirds ago, blocking higher educational institutions for considering race in a mission decision. Now, just understand the history of the struggle to you know, address the issue of how race has been used to deny African and people of non-African African, um, background admission to colleges. I find the decision really interesting because to equate that race or racism doesn't exist and first action has no place, then when you do your critique, the reality, what are they saying to us? Remember earlier, during the many programs we have done, one of the things we must always be conscious of is what state of mind we are in and what conditions we are living under. Um, and we stated to you that many times war comes, to, war comes into a different form. They are at war with African people in this country. This is why we chose this first part of the two-part series, America will... America was never built for Africans. I think this decision also relates to this theme tonight. So for each one of y'all critique, I would like for each one of y'all critique the meaning of this particular struck down decision by the Supreme Court as relates to affirmative action no longer needed to be um, considered as it's coming race and admissions into universities and colleges in this country. Your critique of this decision, Brother Haki. Yeah. Well, you know, Brother Africa, um, the decision is problematic in a sense that uh, it, it's a total disregard in terms of historic narratives, uh, the kind of institutions that exist specifically for the sole purpose in terms of undermining people's right to self-determination, certainly within the context of you know, the African experience in, in here in North America. When we talk about in terms of intent uh, to, to deny African people a right to excel. Uh, we can't we can, uh, dismiss the, the role of slavery plays in terms of that kind of mindset of what's so prevalent in society. Uh, one of the things that Clarence Thomas, River, you, know, uh, you know, like most conservatives, so-called black conservatives, uh, one of the things they want to do is they simply want to dismiss this question around, of course, in dismissing the question around, around color, it, 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 in their minds, it enhances their status. Because certainly, once you start articulating things that are not historically accurate, or you articulate things in dispute with, with statistics, then clearly you create a situation in which you know, your, your, your use, those positions of power actually increases. And as such, 
your status increases. And so, therefore, they got a vested interest in terms of, you know, in hyping their status by engaging in deception, uh, particularly as it relates to history, particularly history relates to African people in the society. Uh, but one of the things, you know, so you ask the question, is, is the Constitution colorblind, Brother Africa? And Clarence Thomas will tell you, of course, the, the Constitution is colorblind. <laughs> that, is, that is so absurd. I mean, it's not even worthy of response. But let, but let me give a shot at it anyway. One of the things we talk about in the U.S. Constitution, when you get right down to the preamble of the U.S. Constitution, the first thing it enumerates is the question around minority rights. So who are the minorities they're talking about? Are they talking about racial, ethnic minorities? No. They're talking about where white male property owners. So the Constitution is very, very clear who it represents, very, very clear. And to the extent that the rights of African people are incorporated in the document, simply doesn't exist, nor historically or currently. And certainly one of the things when you talk about in terms of interpretation of the Constitution, when you start talking about originalism, when you talk about the Constitution is not a living, living breathing document, you're saying that those, those slave owners who, who owns, own our ancestors, uh, who stood for you know, minor, white minority rules in society, their thoughts, their perceptions, their ideas of society uh, is incorporated in an institution as such. No changes can take place in the context of that, that, that constitutional institution, that constitutional piece of paper, because it's already been preordained that this is the way things are supposed to be. So if you think that minority, the, the, the minority or the white male property owners have a, a, a constitutional right to control everything, then if, in fact, the originalism say that's the way constitution should be interpreted, then, of course, when you talk about the question in terms of lack of opportunities for African people, then we, we, we don't have to be a brilliant scientist to conclude that you know, essentially what you're talking about is the nine opportunities of African people based upon what? Not in terms of their genius or their brilliance or, or their academic prowess. You're denying them an opportunity in terms of advancement simply because based upon the color of their skin. And keep in mind, uh, when we talk about affirmative action, affirmative action has nothing to do at all, and this is where important people understand this, affirmative action has nothing to do in terms of you know, talented, you know, academically inclined African people going to white universities. In fact, affirmative action got to start for the sole purpose of making sure that African historical black colleges and universities have access to funding. That was the role of affirmative action. It has nothing to do with, with sending African, you know, qualified African students to major at white universities throughout the land. So let's be clear on that point. But what happened was after, after about after five, five years of that experiment in terms of providing historical black colleges and universities with the funds and funding they need in terms of hiring staff, technology, and all those kind of things, African historical black college universities were equal in terms of ability to, to produce well-rounded students who competed with major white universities. That simply had to change. And so what they did, they said, no, no, no longer will we fund historical black college and universities. We instead will allow quali- qual- uh, 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 qualified African students to attend largely majority you know, white universities in the country. So we got to understand. So when we talk about the origin of affirmative action, it has nothing to do with what the media is telling us in terms of, you know, uh, you know, making room for, you know, for qualified African people to go to white universities. Uh, it had it had more to do in terms of a response to to to, to the white uh, academics and the uh, white uh, the white foundations who saw that funding African universities was a was a it was a, a threat uh, to the nobility or certainly to the status of white universities who saw that these historical black college universities had the capabilities based upon funding to create men and women who are of the highest caliber. And so, therefore, that 
permit had to be destroyed. So let's understand precisely what affirmative action really means. Secondly, Brother Africa, I think, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, when you talk about Clarence Thomas' interpretation of the Constitution, we talk about, uh, when you talk about uh, affirmative action, one thing that's very interesting is that his rulings are in line with his notion in terms of federalism. Now, federalism is a notion that, in fact, that states should have the right to determine, you know, what goes on, the rules and policies and laws uh, adopted by those states should be totally independent of federal mandates or federal laws and so forth and so on. Now, given this reality in terms of federalism, if you leave it up to the states, essentially what you're doing is allowing the states to skirt or to undermine federal, federal protected rights uh, and allow the states to do whatever they want to do based upon what they perceive as, as, as what is constitutionally permissible. And so clearly, so when you talk about affirmative action, you talk about eliminating, eliminating you know, African students from these large white universities, essentially what he's saying is that federalism, what he's doing is legitimizing federalism. And it's a very, a very around the way, it's a very, uh, a certain, very around the way, uh, a weight, and he's actually facilitating that. But he's actually facilitating federalism, which certainly in terms of, you know, adequate protections on the Constitution for all, isn't really in jeopardy. And so clearly, Clarence Thomas understands this as a lawyer. He knows exactly what he's doing, but for him, attaining status is more important in terms of the rights of African people. Uh, and finally, Brother African, let me just say this. Uh, one of the things, you know, uh, he often talks about victimhood status of African people, and that's very, very interesting. In other words, see, see what we have to understand, fundamentally, we, we, there's a great deal of confusion in terms of victimhood, victimhood status. People who stand up and fight against injustice are not, not victims. As a matter of fact, it wasn't for the, the, the ability to stand up and fight and fight for that which is right. Our people would have been liquidated from this planet a long time ago during slavery. It wasn't for the perseverance, the willingness to stand up and fight against all the odds. We wouldn't be around today. They would have committed genocide against us. There would be no African people in American society today if it wasn't for people who understand the reality. Victimhood comes from people who don't understand what they're fighting against. Those are the victims. The victims are the ones who, who, who acquiesce, who participate in their own oppression, not even realizing they're participating in their own oppression. And so they think that if they move out to get a big house and move out to the suburbs or, or have a little money in the bank, they think that they're, 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 they're fine. And then they have a situation where their children have to go to these schools, and these schools that don't necessarily welcome their, their children, not based upon their, their lack of academic prowess, but simply because of the color of their skin, then they realize they got a problem. But they're too invested in the system, and so therefore, they came to this notion in terms of victimhood status because as long as they can talk about victimhood status, it can make them, at least in their minds, they can, they can perceive, you know, their quote-unquote success. It's an indication of just, you know, how, how brilliant, how hardworking, you know, how industrious they are, and as a result of that, they succeed, whereas other African people don't succeed because they, because they, lack, they lack those kinds of values. So clearly, you know, uh, this, this Christian expression of, of, of victimhood uh, Clarence Thomas is the epitome of victimhood in terms of you got a guy who loses kind of power, you know, with a slave mentality, you know, who do everything he can to undermine the interests of African people, uh, you know, uh, you know, understand that if he really understood what the harm that he's doing to African people, he wouldn't be so forthright in terms of turning up endorsing policies, which you know has the impact of, of not just uh, undermining the, the advancement of African people in society, but literally has the possibility in terms of creating conditions in society, often leads to, to, to wholesale destruction of masses of African people in the society. Uh, so clearly, Clarence Thomas is the epitome 
uh, victimhood, and like most black conservatives, uh, these people are somehow, um, in, in, most of them, I'm going to say all black conservatives, there are some black conservatives I agree with, uh, in, in the sense that they talk about the fact that we have to think in, autonomously. You know, we have to think about in terms of what is the issue that our people and what to do to, to achieve that, and that is upon, coming upon us to achieve that and not wait for others to come and save us. For those black, for those black conservatives, I, I applaud and I support 100%. But for the ones who acquiesce to the system, who are, who are hell-bent on humiliating the meaning of African people for personal advancement and or status, those kind of black conservatives I have a fundamental philosophical problem with. And Clarence Thomas, in my mind, is the epitome of, 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 of victimhood, which is why we must educate our children so they don't grow up to be to have a victimhood status, a victimhood uh, 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 mindset like Clarence Thomas. Now close with that. Thank you, Brother Hakeem. And now I'm going to Brother Moses. Your critique of the decision of 63, striking down affirmative actions to use as it relates to admission to universities and colleges in the U.S., Brother Moses. Right. Thank you, Brother Africa. We have to apply dialectical and historical materialism <clears throat> to the situation now and, and analyze the history, as Hakeem pointed out, of affirmative action. And you know, um, certainly, it's attempt. It was an attempt to uh, to um, rectify some of the injustices that have been done to black people. And so, you know, this is the, the motivation. And uh, Crash Thomas certainly is nowhere even in the ballpark of understanding that or, or uh, agreeing with that. Uh, so you know he he takes the, the the fact that he thinks that the Constitution was colorblind. I mean Thomas Jefferson had slaves and he talked about all men equal, created equal. You know as Mao Zedong said, combat liberalism is is equality in words, but slavery in deeds. And so you know we have to we have to look beyond the words and the rhetoric and see what's really going on in society. And um, certainly, you know, Clarence Thomas is not, is not among us as, as, as people who are struggling for liberation. He, he's just not there. And so um, we have to recognize that. And we have to have our, we, you know, I, I think, you know, the government policies make a big difference uh, in terms of affirmative action and whatever policies the, the, the politics determines economics always has and always will. I, I remember when I was in college, uh, I was under the BEOG, the Basic Education Opportunity Grant, and that was a government program. Uh, um, and um, thank goodness for it. Uh, it made a big difference. Um, I was able to go to school. I was determined to finish, and I did. And so um, I think, you know, we have to – we have to recognize that there are people who who are looking out for our interests and and uh they they affirm and, and give positive reinforcement to our attempts at at freedom and self determination and that we need people who are who who are proactively uh for us and uh and that's 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 the the motivation of affirmative action. And so, you know, it's, it's no surprise that Thomas Jeff, Thomas 
Thomas Jefferson and and uh, and uh, this Clarence Thomas, you know, have the same mentality, the same mindset, and words they have, they talk rhetoric, but in these, it's all about oppression and and exploitation. And I'll leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. Your critiques of the law and the 63 decisions strike down from the action. Well, Jackson's own 29-page dissent itself was dedicated to explaining the universal benefits of consideration of race in higher education, arguing that such considerations are important due to the intergenerational transmission of inequality and the uh, history the legislative history of inequality directed at African Americans specifically, and uh, she, the uh, origin, and she says the or it originated with slavery and continues through the subsequent government policies um, through the decades. And uh, this this is the reality. And uh, when we really lost something, the nation lost something, when it made a decision, when the court made a decision to eliminate race as uh, a basis for uh, uh, admission into institutions of higher learning, Simply because um, the reality is is that with all the civil rights legislation, only in two areas were uh, African Americans ever listed specifically, and that was in affirmative action and in terms of voting rights. So this is a direct attack on African Americans people, on African people, the reality is, is that in all the other civil rights legislation, it talks about minorities. Well, the United States has had a huge flux of immigration due to these fantastic laws in the last 50 years, allowing people to come from around the world, and they're minorities because they had not on the U.S. soil or had a population here such as the indigenous people, the formerly enslaved people, and the uh, conquerors, the imperialists. So um, it's interesting that her decision was 27 pages and Thomas Thomas was uh, some 60-plus pages. And it's an interesting time that, you know, Clarence Thomas right now, um, many thought he should have, um, um, in this decision, he should have recused himself simply because of his wife Jenny's involvement in the 2020 election in uh, supporting Trump's decision to have a coup d'etat and, you know, standing so aligned with Trump. So uh, 
it's surprising that he didn't recuse himself. You have to remember Clarence Thomas is spending time with a Texas billionaire who has uh, statues of the 20th century fascists in his garden where he and Thomas enjoy a, a cocktail together, such as Hitler and others. And uh, the article also mentioned Justice Roberts and, and how his wife has made millions uh, as a legal recruiter from firms who argue at the court. So, you know, federal courts have guidelines to the way they operate. But the reality is, and it becomes so clear, that the Supreme Court governs itself. It doesn't have any standards that it has to stand up to. And we're seeing that with these decisions of this very, very political court, uh, a court that's not concerned with equity, justice, uh, voters' rights, education, none of these things. And it really uh, seems to be supporting Ronald Reagan's view that wrong people are being educated in the United States, and uh, it really makes it more difficult for people of African-American. It takes one tool from the tool chest for African-American admission into institutions of higher education. It was interesting that Harvard itself uh, was upset with the decision because the court talked about making sure that uh, these institutions were being properly policed in the future, that they do not give consideration for race uh, uh, any longer. So uh, we see authoritarianism is advancing, and as uh, Brother Anthony and Brother Haki and Brother Maurice often say, you know, we have to organize and advance the people today. And as Brother Maurice said, it's important that we not only uh, be talking heads, but that the people spread the knowledge and help others advance themselves. Um, many of us will stand up and it will be an I conversation on what I accomplished rather than a we conversation of how we can advance and advance our children in our community. So um, I hope that this is a wake-up call for us to operate as a we and um, advance the importance of of, uh, social justice and that uh, uh, realize that the Supreme Court, unlike other federal judges, they have other federal judges, as I said, have a formal ethics, code of ethics. But the high court prefers to police itself. That's how it's set up. And um, uh, 
I don't know. Um, I see this article as uh, a real wake-up call, but we saw it coming with the reversal of Roe versus Wade, and we saw a, uh, a narrow miss with the gerrymandering uh, of uh, voting districts just last month. So we know that this is a dangerous right-wing authoritarian court. Thank you, Sister Alamore. Thank you. One of the things I would like to say in response to that horrible reaction is that could they be playing the game with a good cop, bad cop? Moving on, Brother Sabukwe, your critique of this decision. First off, I want to commend uh, Brother Moses and, 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 and Sister Eleanor for following up from that fire, fire. Oh, my goodness. Brother Hackey laid it down. Welcome back, Brother Hackey. Refreshing to hear your commentary back on Africa on the Move. As the young generation said, you have Easter. You have Easter. Clarence Thomas got Easter on that commentary, brother. I just had to. I just had to say that. And Easter is a reference to Nas, a rapper Nas track, uh, this track that he did to Jay Z. But anyhow, I just want to say, man, that, that, you, you're exactly right. Uh, if it wasn't for revolutionaries fighting, our, our, our ancestors fighting and speaking up and understanding the system of what the hell is going on, African people would have been liquidated a long time ago during slavery and colonialism. So I just want to say, I just had to echo that again. That's truth to power. I felt that when you said it. But anyhow, as my critique on the, on the on, you know, is keep it clean. I had to catch myself. But on, the critique on, uh, how can I frame this this gentleman, if you will, this capitalist, and call him what he is, this, 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 this guy is, Clarence Thomas is something else, man. You know, how can you... How can you shut down something you benefited from? <laughs> you know what I mean? Let, let, let's not forget that Clarence Thomas benefited from affirmative action program. He benefited from this program. He got his education that led him to becoming a judge from this program. Without this program, he wouldn't be able to come back and, 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 and eradicate this program, if you will. This is something. This guy is so much of a of an Uncle Tom, he made that Justice uh, Sonia Sotomayor looked like a damn revolutionary from what her comments, because if you put take her comments and compare it to his comments, he was a good God. She, she, she's, the, she, she's a radical compared to what he was saying. Like, this, this guy's crazy. Um, and we should not be surprised of Clarence Thomas' um, antics uh, of him doing that. This guy experienced racism and this and that. He got a documentary out about him. Talking about he was he was uh, influenced by Malcolm X. How? How was you influenced by Malcolm X, man? You know Obama. All these people say that, but they they show their true they true they true heart. And I'm I'm not naive to the fact that these people do admire revolutionaries themselves. Yes, yes, I said it. These capitalist people, these people that want to explore and and and, and want to eradicate us, they aspire. They are inspired by us. They 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 steal what we create. They got a restaurant called Cane's uh, uh, that served chicken. And guess who quote they got on the top of the restaurant? Marcus Garvey, One Love, 
One Love. Yes, Bob Marley made a song popular that is played on, on this platform, One Love, Bob Marley, but he got that from Marcus Garvey. But now they got a restaurant of one with this one love on the top of their restaurant. You see what I'm saying? And it's just it's just it's it's just it's a it's it's a bunch of uh foolery and this is this is what we're dealing with. They also have a move speaking of Bob Marley. I know we're talking about uh his Uncle Tom, um Clarence Thomas, his Comprador Clarence Thomas, but these are the tricks that are being played on us, as, as you say, Brother Africa. The tricks, the 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 the, the bamboozle uh, that we got going on. But they got a Bob Marley movie coming out, more propaganda. And we know Bob Marley was a revolutionary, but it looked like in the movie they're going to commercialize him. Um, they're going to, you know, or what have you. But Clarence Thomas, man, you know this this guy is. is I, I can't uh, give. And more tougher uh, commentary than 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 than, than, than Haki gave, but I mean, it's, 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 the, the, the the evidence speaks for itself. You know, you understand what I'm saying? It, it just it just speaks for it for itself. This guy, you know, like Sister Eleanor said, he's he's hanging out with with uh, billionaires. You know, he don't he don't give a damn about the masses of people. And the person before him, Thurgood Marshall, I think it was you, brother, after that brought to my attention. Hell, their uh, thoroughgood Marshall really wasn't any better. Now, I don't necessarily support uh, um, uh, Elgis Cleaver. I, I, I have a negative critique of Elgis Cleaver, but I understand during that time, thoroughgood Marshall was the reason for him, if I understand correctly, of Elgis Cleaver having to fled the United States to go to Africa because thoroughgood Marshall was the one who set in motion of of him basically being put away. Um, but I digress, and I just want to give a rest and power to Brother Matulu Shakur. He still lives on uh, in the spirit of people on his call who have a revolutionary spirit and the people who are listening on his call who has a revolutionary spirit. Um, you know, just want to shot him out and I don't see here brother Anthony here tonight. I hope he is doing well as well. Um hope everything is, is, is going okay for, um, for that revolutionary. But brother Africa, thank you so much and I conclude. And we also would like to acknowledge the transition brother Matula Shakur and give our condolences to his family as well as to hope that brother Anthony is um is feeling better, and we just can come back. So at this point in time, as we talk about part one, America was never built for Africans. That was a recent example when we talk about institutional racism. And I maintain that this behavior and this decision has approval from all the way up to the top of the board, all the way up, all the way to the top of the CEO, it had also the approval even of the fundraising group that the fundraising was being done for. The actions and behavior of this vulnerable Allen Walmart. They put an African man in a cage to raise money for the children. There's this special article for News One, written on the 23rd of June, 2023. It was written by Bilal G. Mars. If you get a chance, check this article out to the listening audience. It states that Walmart's 
in Providence, Rhode Island, is under scrutiny after it decided to put an African man in a cage in the middle of the store to raise money for children. According to the Providence Journal, Walmart was conducting Hasbro Children America Network fundraisers and decided to pay and decided to put a African employee in a makeshift cage with a sign reading, I'm in jail. I need bail. Help me raise fifty dollars to get out of jail. Now the sign is also read all donations going to Hispano Children's Medical Network. Critiquing this particular incident, this particular behavior, again, not only is the indication that America was never built for Africans, but what does the state, what does this um, represent in terms of when one talking about the state of the present condition in this country where, it's, where it is related to African people living in this country? And this is another example where I don't know African people still attach themselves to the name American, why someone would still perceive themselves as an African American. But Brother Haki critiqued that particular behavior that took place in this particular Walmart. And is it just indictment on that particular Walmart or is it higher than that? Bigger than that. Your critique, Brother Haki. Yeah, well, certainly when we when we think in terms of terms of organization, uh that Walmart is, is part of an organization, uh, even though it's independently owned, it's part of an organization. And so certainly when we talk about in terms of the impact on the bottom line, certainly you're very, very, you have to be very, very circumspect in terms of what you do and don't do because of the possibility of, of doing something that, in, that makes of the impact the bottom line. So the mere fact that this Walmart and Rhode Island felt empowered to do such a thing speaks values in terms of not only insensitivity that exists, but also uh, a kind of perhaps a kind of racial proclivity, which, which states that uh, you know the the, the uh, how how you know how African people are conveyed is of no real consequences. Uh, one of the things I got to say about the African, and I'm I'm, cer- I'm certainly very, very sad about this, is that when you think about it in terms of the young the young brother actually getting the cage and agreeing to participate in that, uh, it's somewhat for me problematic. I do certainly understand, given the state of the economy and jobs being hard to come by. I certainly understand the young brother was probably just trying to do what he kind of do in terms of keep some, keep some money in his pockets, and I certainly understand that. But certainly I would think that giving, uh, giving, uh, giving the, the reality with, uh, as it pertains to other parts of the country, I think a lot of you would have been adamantly opposed to such an idea in terms of getting, from, and getting, getting inside a cage, you know, like some animal on, uh, on being reviewed you know, by, the, by, by, by the public. Uh, so having said that, Brother Africa, you know, I, I certainly, you know, I, I certainly hope that this kind of situation won't uh, reoccur. And certainly, if it did, I'm certainly hope that the young brother, uh, um, the young brother in small towns who maybe not uh, f- affiliated with, you know, a uh, uh, much more radical progressive thought, I certainly hope people think twice about in terms of doing a similar thing like that in the future. But back to the people in terms of Walmart, I, I, I think that. You know, that the mere fact that Walmart representatives say that they had no clue that the secret Walmart was engaging in this kind of engaging in this kind of practice, I think it strikes me as somewhat disingenuous. Because as I alluded to before, when you start talking about in terms of the bottom line, the impact on the bottom line, uh, it seems to me that these people had to have notified the, the headquarters of Walmart 
and the fact that they're going to not only solicit funds, you know, in that in the in Walmart, but also some of the kind of strategies they employ in terms of raising funds inside of that Walmart. Because we all understand, as eliciting funds, you know, it's not an easy level. Time depending on who you are, you simply don't have access to places like Walmart because if your program doesn't gel, doesn't jive uh, with the image of Walmart, you're not going to use that space to do anything, and it's that simple. And so the mere fact that they were able to 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 put on this kind of fundraising effort where they have a young man encaged, you know, in you know inside a cage, uh, with the express purpose of you know raising uh, fifty dollars, you know, to get out, seems to me that you know that uh, no no such an action is is, is only uh, uh, contemplated if in fact the people at this rolled out of Walmart was confident. That the people in the headquarters of Walmart are not going to uh, are not going to be overly critical in terms of doing such a thing. Uh, so, clearly, brother Africa, this is, this is, I find it very, very problematic. But I'll simply close by saying, you know, um, I'm again. I just want to reiterate. I certainly hope, you know, that this young brother learn his lesson and understand, you know, the use as 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 a pretext uh, to begin to understand more about African history in terms of the kind of flights the kind of innuendo, the kind of uh, 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 insensitivity that is inflicted upon African people and hope that in understanding, you know, that these slights and these insensitivity being directed toward African people should not be uh, justified or accepted in, 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 by any means, by, by, by any means. And so having said that Africa, I conclude and simply say let's hope it doesn't happen again, and I'll close with that. Thank you, Brother Haki. Brother Moses, your critique of this situation. Yeah, um, this is an unfortunate situation. Insensitivity, uh, uh, callousness in terms of the race and uh, what has been historically going on up until this date and time, and just certainly just no consciousness uh, and no values uh, that, are, that you know, are grounded in, 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 in struggle for freedom. Um, you know, I'm, I was I was introduced to um, uh, human relations counseling and sensitivity training while I was in high school back in the 60s, 68, 67, 68, 69. Um, and we, we, we uh, had interracial sensitivity discussions and with human relations counsel uh, in the school and stuff. And it was very beneficial. We went. We I cut my first teeth in terms of politics. In terms of actually getting involved in politics, um, the state and the government. Um, we went before the city council uh, there in Alexandria to to stop them from flying the Confederate flag. And um, you know, certainly we had many allies. Um, um, and uh, we were able to successfully do that because uh, they flew the Confederate flag on every holiday in Alexandria in those, back in those days. Uh, and it takes patience and, and just ex- ex- explanation of of, uh, of what has historically happened and uh, patiently explain to people, you know, what the problems are and uh, why it is, it is um, callous and um, incorrect to, to be doing uh, putting people in cages and and uh, and putting that kind of image out there, uh, 
you know, it's just a, it's a matter of education. Uh, it's a matter of love. Love is the real key to the, the whole thing. Is how much we li- really love people it comes out in in what we do and what we don't do. Um, some people just love themselves. Some people just love uh, their family. Some people just love their race. Some people just love their countries. And you know, but there's a there's a international struggle for justice and injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere and we have to to have compassion and and love for all people and and be able to identify the problems that they occur and certainly you know um knowing history it makes a difference and you know you know without a historical context you know it's just a person in a cage and and raising money and and, you know, it's just isolated, but it's not dialectically and historically connected to the struggle. And so we have to understand that. Thank you. I hear you, Brother Moses. I guess um, Chancellor Williams may differ from you. He stated, based upon your observation or your articulation just now, is that one of the errors the African people have made and continue to make historically is that we are too forgiving and too caring uh, with our enemies when they inflict damage or harm on us. We continue to do that without punishing them and giving them some positive reinforcements to never do that again. He says as we continue to behave in that capacity or in that manner, they will continue to bring harm and do harm to us. So, you know, um, we need to think about this question, what we call love. There is a sense there is tough love. And we need to start dishing out some tough love. So anyway, let's continue. We go with Sister Eleanor. Sister Eleanor, your critique of this situation, but I feel like it was well it was well thought out in terms of the whole conception of it. It was intentional to do what it did. Sister Eleanor, your your critique. I I think quite frankly it is an example of the way the Wall family thinks about workers and and thinks about blacks. This was just a blatant racist demonstration that they knew that the average middle-class black was just going to say, oh, it's just one of those things. It's nothing to do with the greater uh, collective good, but quite the contrary. It does. Look up at any of these Walmarts and you see a bunch of black faces. And I am a working class person. And as difficult as it is, I was in a Walmart August 28th of 2021, but I didn't buy anything because Walmart does not respect their workers. They, they are the largest retailer on earth. They pay the lowest wages when you consider who they are and what they are. And this kind of behavior is just not an aside. We just saw the uh, down in Virginia, uh, some Walmart worker attacking uh, his fellow workers. I'm sure that he was an oppressed person. And the reality is, is that in this country right now, African people that were born here are undereducated, 
underemployed, black health care, black transportation, and many things which leave them at a disadvantage. They, we do often do not know our history. We are not consolidated as individuals in our community to stand firmly with love and respect for each other. And without those basic things, this is how this boy, this young man ended up in that age. And certainly he needed a job. But again, he's working in isolation. You know, people are not standing together. We must unite. We must organize. It can't be an I story. It has to be a we story. And if one learns something, they need to teach another. And they need to teach yet another. I know as an educator, I used to have a group of children in a line and go on a walk. And we tell one one thing at the end of a line and see what you come up with at the other end of the line. And at that point, you realize how important it is to speak to a group collectively and to constantly reinforce the knowledge and the history that you want them to know, whether it is concerning the, uh, in, in that case, it was understanding and recognizing the flora and fauna of the region, the animals and the plants of the region. But this, again, was just blatant racism. And the, the, there's no one that is holding Walmart accountable. Uh, just like there was a man in the cage, there should be some picketers out front. But instead, we're walking in Walmart, Walmart like it's our local collective or a communal store. You know, we need to wake up and stop shopping in these places. Stop being just blind consumers. And learn about the Wall family. Time to say no to, to racism. Time to say no to sexism. And we do it with, with our dollars, our pennies, our nickels. We do it with our behavior and how we uh, treat others. And this is a, a, a incredible thing. And it got so much visibility on social media. People weren't outraged. They just wanted to see it because it's part of the legacy of America and enslaved people and people being caged, sold, ostracized. After all, the first form of equity in the United States wasn't land, but it was people, flesh. And here you have an African in a cage needing, quote, $50 from bail. Outrageous. Thank you, sir. And it's reminiscent of the post-slavery laws that allowed um, 
people in the community, such as a magistrate, me to bring you, Brother Africa, before a magistrate and say, well, you owe me $50. Magistrate says, well, you got to work for Sister Eleanor, and you can't determine the amount, the wage, or anything. you got to take what she gives you and do what she tells you. This is all reminiscent of just that type of racism. It isn't even reminiscent. It's just showing you that it's still around in 2023. And it's still acceptable behavior in communities like Providence, Rhode Island. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Before I go to Brother Sudukwe, I also must say that we shouldn't allow this network of the Hasbury Children America Network you shouldn't let them off the hook. Not only they didn't have no response to it, but clearly this was never meant to be a fundraiser. You don't do no event like this and only talking about raising fifty dollars. Hell, the manager himself could gain that much. So anyway, Sister Subukwe, I mean brother Subukwe, your critique of this incident. And what it does show is that we are still functioning under slave like conditions and we are enslaved. We can't only talk about that brother and what he did. Most of us want that much different when we look at what took place recently with the so-called coronavirus. And they made you put your life at stake, taking these damn shots that weren't no good. Well, she lost your job. And people saying, well, I got to take the shot because I got to work. Even though they didn't kill you. And it's coming back with a sucker plan again. And we're going to see what your response will be again. When we change the conditions and act like free people and fight for our true freedom. Brother Subukwe, your critique. Can you hear me, Brother Subukwe? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, Brother Africa, you got me? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, basically, you know, when you talk about Hasbro, we talk about this Hasbro Children's Miracle Network, they don't need the money. They're another capitalist company. Hasbro makes millions, damn near billions, really billions off of toys that they make. A lot of these toys look like me and you and all these people on this phone. They made toys, of, they made a buku load of money off the Black Panther movie. They made a lot of action figures and toys off that movie. And I'm guilty of buying some of these uh, toys. But this is what, this is what uh, we're dealing with. You know, and this is nothing. This is nothing new. When you look at history, they did it with our brother from the Congo, Oda Benga. Oda Benga was kidnapped from the Congo in 1904 when he was he was he was 13 years old. He was kidnapped by a United States colonizer and brought to the United States of America. And and just to quote what Ice Cube said in his song, "Arrest the President." The state fair ain't 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 even fair. Well, the state fair ain't fair because the state fair he was this brother was put and I'm talking about Oda Benga. We talking about uh, this brother at Walmart, but this is reminiscent of Oda Benga who was put on display with monkeys at the state fair, okay, at the World's Fair, at the Bronx Zoo in New York. Uh, so this is, you know, Rhode, Rhode Island, where it happened with the brother in Walmart putting in the cage. This is not too far from, from New York up up there when they put in brothers in cages and display. Oda Benga, he died 
well, let me let me let me let me backtrack. He committed suicide, but he didn't kill himself. I mean, reality, he shot himself in the head. But colonialism, uh, oppression, his oppression killed him. This man became depressed, being put. And you got to keep in mind, older Binger was only four feet tall. Not only older Binger was put on display, other Africans like Sarah Bartman was put on display. They put her on display. They put another sister, George Health, on display. The Barnum Bailey, sir, uh, Barnum Bailey brother, Barnum brother Bailey, sir, how you frame it? <laughs> My apologies for that. But Barnum Bailey brother service, they made the uh, buku money of putting Africans like George Health on display. Um, and this is what they do. We're, we're, we're commodities in all forms. We're uh, animals. We are. This is what they do. So this brother and and Rhode Island sitting in a, in a in a cage in the middle of a Walmart for money for fifty dollars. He's saying that he you know he needs fifty dollars or you know whatever. They make it. They use him as a stereotype within the cage. They're killing three boats. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They got him saying, "Oh, I'm I'm locked up. I need fifty dollars to get out of jail." That's all they see us as being locked up behind cages. But this is why political education is is is, is in dire need. Our children is in dire need because yeah, he was a you know was a brother. But this guy, this brother was young man. He probably was a teenager or, or his, and he looked like he was in his early twenties. And we as revolutionaries, as Pan Africanists, as socialists, we have to educate our children and our youth politically educate our, our children. We have to do it so they can we can prevent them from 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 participating and act like this. If that brother and I don't know what he knows, he might he might know about Oda Binga. I'd be highly surprised because most people don't know about Oda Binga. Most people don't know about Sarah Bartman or or, or Sister jo- Joyce Health, who was who was put on display. But if I under, if that brother was aware, was educated about these people, I guarantee you, I would I would I would have to say I, I would have to have, I would I would guarantee you I would have to put my house up if I'm wrong that he would have not done that gesture. He would have not made that move of being in the in the cage if he understood the history and was exposed to real political education, standing of himself, of his heritage. Of his DNA, of, of 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 his ancestors, who are, who were put in display forcefully, and these people, our name wasn't put on display by choice. They were put on this display forcefully. That's why Brother Binger uh, killed himself because of this. Kidnapped it from the Congo, along with the cobalt and the coltan. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Subukwe. Uh, what we're going to do right now, we're going to take a revolutionary culture break, and when we come back, we'll be closing this program out. We will talk about the relationship between the police power and the press. What is the relationship when you make certain policies and rules where the police can decide who is the press and who is that? 
we'll talk about that particular article and close out today's program as relates to part one of the two-part series, America Will Never Be for Africans. When Kwame Nkrumah stated that capitalism is the gentleman method of slavery, that's what we're doing. We live on capitalism and we are enslaved. We'll be right back. This is Brother Africa kicking the ballistics. You and the rest of the listening world. This is Africa on the move. Stop being Buffalo soldiers.
chains, living in pain, today is the same, and nothing ever changes. Hung by a noose, can't tell the truth, filled with abuse, and everywhere there's danger. How long can this go on? When will the light I see? I know I must be strong to last through my journey. Yeah, last through my journey. Yeah. Time will arrive when we must decide to get off the ride and stop going through these changes. Must prepare and learn how to care, but soon we'll be there while our lives won't be in danger. And when the light is clear, oh how beautiful I will be to know that I've been here and made it through my journey. Yeah, and made it through. My journey, yeah, 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 yeah. Made it through my journey. Made it through my journey. Hellerino, a bloodline across the waters from Benin to Salvador Bahia. A scar across the face of the earth. Pellerino, the place they brought the Africans, the place where they tried to make them slaves. Pellerino, you can feel the whip, hear the cries, and see the blood in the red clay. The clay that holds the stones together is African. And each stone is a bone from a people called slaves. Pellerino was the place where death came to dwell. His neighbors did not complain, for he was a way out. From the cold, gray, cobblestone streets to the lifeless cathedrals, tall walls of demons called angels, haunted visions of white faces, crucifying Jesus again and again. But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights pacing the floors of his funeral parlor, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods, where haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk and was reborn and baptized in the sound of sensual skin turned up to dance, to inspire a fire like the sun pronouncing his presence. Pellerino was the tongue of the flame, licking the eyes of those who have tried to remain blind, shining a light on a spirit that would not be denied. No, the chains did not break the spirit, did not enslave the music of my soul, did not shackle the will of my freedom, did not tarnish the glow of my gold, 
and all the Palomino's in Africa, in Europe, in North and South America cannot destroy the majesty of my people, the love of my people, shining like the sun everywhere we go, everywhere we go. light is clear, oh how beautiful I will be, to know that I've been here, and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 yeah. Not to get involved with this case in Asheville, North Carolina. I mean, it's certainly problematic. 
uh, one of the things I think we have to be very cognizant of, you know, as, as capitalism declines, you know, as fascism elevates, leading toward totalitarianism, we have to fundamentally understand that our right to ideas, our right to express ourselves, ourselves are all under attack. Uh, this is part and parcel of, the, of a declining economy. I don't think people adequately realize, you know, the biggest threat to a declining economy is people's ability to want to think and their ability to speak on what they see. Those things represent a, 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 a definitive threat uh, to the powers that be in terms of the, the architects of the system. And so, therefore, one of the things they certainly want to do is make damn sure that the ability for people to express themselves, or the ability for people to have access to information, they want to sort of curtail that, that process and make sure that people don't have access to information. After all, we're very clear that a lack of information is certainly the, the, the key in terms of increasing one's vulnerability, uh, increasing one's susceptibility to, to propaganda. And so certainly one of the things in terms of the system's longevity, one thing it wants to do is to make damn sure that people in society are essentially ignorant. And certainly when you look at in terms of the, 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 the education expenditures in the schools in terms of just between what they spend for schools in urban areas versus what they spend for schools in rural areas, there's clearly a, 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 a contrast. And that contrast is in part because uh, people in rural areas have access to information that's not a threat because the kind of information they're privy to tends to be pro-system. Uh, of youth in urban areas who are going to school are privy to a, a, a wide range of information. Much of that information seems to be critical in terms of how the system works, how it operates, and the kind of uh, and problems uh, that uh, result from the functioning of that system. And so, therefore, it's, a, it's, a fundamental, it's fundamental in the thinking of the, 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 the maintenance class, those who run a society, that the information must be, uh, must be uh, uh, undermined at all costs. And that's essentially what we're, we're up against. And so we got a situation actually in North Carolina where you got people who identify themselves as as press with the credentials and all the things that, that go along with that, actively identify themselves and still they were, were arrested by the police. Um, and, and clearly, you begin to understand that this 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 this, 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 this desire in terms of you know controlling access to information is not just exist on a local or or, 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 or community level, it, ex, it exceeds on a state and state and a federal level. And so essentially what you got a lot of powerful people in the positions, uh, not to mention the, the billionaire clans uh, who are behind a lot of this, uh, who are pushing to make sure that uh, there's total disregard in terms of constitutional rights, particularly as it relates to the First Amendment in terms of one's right in terms of access to information. Uh, so clearly, brother, it does have very ominous uh, repercussions in terms of, you know, the media not being able to present information that is so critical to a thinking public. Uh, one of the things, yeah, I think, in this particular case, when you talk about the media highlighting the problem of homelessness in American society and people uh, willingness to go to any length in terms of just going somewhere to be safe, you know, in the, you know, in the streets, you know, where they can be safe, they get, you know, they get fleet. Uh, it's, re- it's a real indictment in terms of the system at large in terms of how it exists. So one of the things you don't want to do is the people to begin to critique the system at large in terms of how it actually exists. It's much better for those positions of power that people are inculcated with a, with a perception of the system being, you know, altru- altruistic, caring, and compassionate as opposed to being uh, in, in introduced to information that says the system is anything but compassionate and caring 
that the system is, in fact, rudimentary in terms of the problems human beings face in the society. Uh, so clearly, Brother Africa, I, I think that does have honest repercussions. I, 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 I think that, you know, when you talk about the First Amendment, one of the things is that, you know, you and I should have the right in terms of, you know, creating an organization, go out, assess information without fear of being locked up simply because we dare, you know, seek, sort information, you know, under the guise of, a, of an organization. The Constitution said we have a right to do that because there's no definitive definition in terms of what constitutes journalism. Journalism is not um, the domain of, uh, or the, or the domain of, you know, of, you know, of, 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 a, of a particular group. It is something that can be practiced by anybody. And so the Constitution is particularly very, very somewhat vague in terms of defining this question in terms of journalism. And so it should be because I think, I think a lot of the, the, the founders of this Constitution understood it. And once you start defining, you know, what constitutes journalism and what doesn't, then inevitably you, you create a situation where the potential, you know, for, uh, for people to of power is to essentially control their whole process in terms of access to information, which means that uh, the, the probability of tyranny exists. So clearly, uh, when you look at terms of this Ashford, 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 North Carolina Police Department, in terms of in this magistrate, his tendency, the, 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 a very stated intent in terms of nine people access to information. I think all right, all thinking people should be appalled in terms of such a in such an event. But the mere fact that the the, the the major news organization, CNN included, didn't step forward to say that listen, this is this is fundamentally a problem, and this is an issue that must be addressed uh, countrywide. The mere fact that they didn't do it underscores to the level to which a lot of these major corporations, quote unquote, journalistic organizations. Uh, embedded with people in positions of power, in particular, billionaire class individuals who fund a lot of these organizations. Uh, so clearly, we got a we got a problem here. So I'm, I'm I'm going to watch very closely in terms of ruling this this court ruling in terms of you know uh, the culpability of these particular journalists in terms of you know whether these whether these individuals will be found uh, guilty or not. But if they're found guilty in terms of violating uh, some quote unquote legal legal uh, legal standard. Uh, I'd be hard-pressed to understand that, but more importantly, I would begin to understand just how in- extensive this whole question in terms of uh, fascism uh, leading to totalitarianism is in American society. We all should be very, very concerned, very, very concerned, and I close with that. Thank you, Brother Haki. Brother Moses, talk to me. What you make of this phenomenon, Brother Moses? Well, we have a, a attack on on the working class and freedom and uh, democracy, you know, socialism and communism is under attack. Uh, fascism arose, the whole purpose and the origin of fascism was to crush communism. We have to understand that the fascism came about as a result of the Soviet Union, and this whole purpose was a reaction to, this, to communism, and, it, and this purpose is to crush communism. That's why... Um, Donald Trump is a anti anti communist and anti socialist and um and we have to understand that um the 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 as the decline of the political economy of, of capitalism um continues, we see that the politics intensifies and um 
the, the ability of the ruling class to maintain its dominance is is um, is threatened, and so they they um, resort to extra legal and extrajudiciary um, uh, you know, methods of um, maintaining their rule, and and so you know the normal processes of of democracy are, are eroded and um and you know so the judges the judge and the police and all of them are, are have the same ruling class mentality and they ha- they don't have any respect for for people uh, and the rights of people of the citizens of this country and they have no respect for it and so they 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 do things that are against the um, democratic rights of the people, and that's why Julian Assange is is threatened right now with all these hundreds of years of of uh, imprisonment um, because the truth the truth is against the system. The system is is based upon a lie, and um, Donald Trump is epitomizes that, and um, Israel is is founded on that um, uh, white supremacy and. And uh, and minority rule, and uh, and so you know we have to understand that that the journalism is is the reporting of information, and and that's what the the government and the people don't want you to have is information that is contrary to their their um, uh, rule. Their interest is to continue to dominate society, continue to have one percent own most of the economy, and uh, and continue the profit-driven system. But we we have to resist. We have to resist evil because evil exists, and uh, uh, and uh, it's 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 it perpetuates ignorance and darkness. It, you know, light is coming to the world. You know, with Marxism and uh, and the evil of this world rejects it. Rejects it. It's like a, uh, uh, um, in reaction to to uh, everything that's that's positive and put forth by Marxists. They they reject it and come up with some some alternative theory that is based upon idealism and not founded on scientific socialism. And so that's that's just the world we live in. Uh, uh, we need to unite. We have we need to do things as an organization, and and uh, but we have to we have to take responsibility for ourselves and 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 um, and uh, get involved. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. Sister Eleanor, what world would we live in if we allow? What world would it be if we allowed the police to find who is, who isn't, to press? Your critiques of that more. Um, well, quite frankly, the article was rather shocking because the police, uh, uh, the police cam itself um, shows the police saying, uh, one of the policemen saying, let's arrest uh, the people standing up first. And these were reporters that were working for the Blade, uh, uh, a nationally uh, known uh, gay 
newspaper. And the reality is the unhoused amongst us often are working class people. They uh, work jobs but simply cannot afford decent housing. And Asheville, North Carolina, uh, as you know, uh, was the site of the largest slave jail known uh, in, 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 in recorded history. That just means there's much more research to be done and that uh, there were more than 600 people sold at an auction there uh, in the 19th century, in the early 19th century. The only place, uh, you know, the number one place was uh, uh, North Carolina and New York City for the um, uh, slaves coming in. But the reality is Judge Hill is who was really shocking. The 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 jurors who um actually found the journalist guilty of uh God knows what. And uh they were there just to observe the eviction of the unhoused people. And it goes to show you why they're setting up these curfews across the nation in your neighborhood park. And everyone has to be out at dark or everyone has to be out at 10 o'clock. It's a move to dislocating the unhoused amongst us. Now, I don't know where uh, the municipal leaders in these communities expect the unhoused people to go because uh, this is a reality in the United States. Uh, there are people lying on the sidewalks of the nation's capital. And remember, this was a game we go back to Ronald Reagan and the Reagan Revolution when he decided to dismantle the Department of Education, to dismantle the Department of Housing, to dismantle the Department of Health. And he did it with the Department of Education because he felt the wrong people were being educated. He did it with the Department of Health because he felt that, uh, again, too many people were receiving health care and health services. And he first allowed the uh, people with uh, what we now call behavioral health issues, but what we formerly called mental health issues, out on the street. And suddenly one year in New York in the 70s, there were just people all over the place that neither had the skills or or the resources or family support to um, find housing for themselves or take their medication. They just didn't have the support. And not everyone comes from a family of 200. Um, and, and this is what we began to see. And keep in mind, it was also Reagan who decided that this integrity in journalism wasn't necessary, that there could be um, networks like Fox where there's what they call now news entertainment or um, opinionated journalism. We first saw it with Rush, Rush Limbaugh, and, um, and now it's just a common thing. And uh, uh, 
we saw one win for journalism recently uh, a couple of months ago with the voting machines when the company that was producing them sued the Fox Network and, and collected almost a billion dollars. But that's nothing because uh, the guy that owns the place, the guy that owns uh, um what is his name, the Australian that owns uh, the networks? I can't think of his name right now. Um, but the reality is he also changed uh, integrity in journalism. is not a requirement. And here these were two journalists with integrity. And we know the brother that was involved with the Moon Movement has been in jail 40 years. And he was a journalist. And uh, the person that testified against him was an alleged criminal. So, and then as uh, Brother Moses said, you see Julian Assange, an Australian, and he has uh, international movement supporting him. So we should emulate the uh, Julian Assange movement and begin to support our African brothers and sisters around the world and in the United States and to promote uh, our leaders um, and to uh, begin to educate each other. That's why I think reading Carter G. Woodson's Miseducation of the Negro written in 1929 is so essential. I was thinking we should send Clarence Thomas a copy. But um, Judge Hill is a real outrageous person. And in an authoritarian society, uh, Brother Africa, you, you begin to see uh, the police having greater authority. And you see what we used to call rent-a-cops having greater authority. That's what authoritarianism is about, uh, taking away the voice of the people. Now, we talk about medical deserts. Now we have medical deserts all over the United States. The District of Columbia is a medical desert. There are four hospitals, for example, serving nearly a million people. Now, they had the year 2000 plan for the District of Columbia, which is the nation's capital. And at the same time, when the city held 200,000 people or a quarter million people, it literally had nine or so hospitals. We have uh, three hospitals standing that are being used as other things and underused. One is Greater Southeast, the other is Providence Hospital, and the public hospital, D.C. General, was raised in its townhouses in the spot. And none of those townhouses are being made available to unhoused people. And the mayor of the District of Columbia is going to allow developers to redevelop the government offices people went to work every day brother Africa to create uh, housing but none of it for affordable housing and to give some developers up to a billion dollars to repurpose these buildings 
So um, this is just a cultural trend, a political reality, uh, banning books, authoritarianism, uh, police um, uh, uh, not recognizing their limitation authority. They have limitations. They can't determine who is a journalist and who isn't. Thank you. Thank you, Suzanne. How you to close out this last point on the scene tonight? America was never built for Africans. How what? Brother Subukwe, your response to this critique of if we allowed the police to dictate who's, who is the press, what implications does that have for the people living in this society? The U.S. says they don't self-proclaim themselves to be the international police. If you don't agree with them, then you are a criminal. Your response, Brother Maurice. Death, death, oppression, pain, agony, all of what we've been experiencing since we got to the hills of America. I mean, it's point blank. It, 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 I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing. Um, we are getting played every day by these people. Um, and it's, it, it, I feel crazy of calling these uh, beings people because who would in their right mind treat a fellow human being, a fellow brother and sister like they had treated the masses of working class people? This is, this is, this is you know, it's, it's the same game going on all the time. And it's not, I'm not going to be long when it's on this because, it's, you know, it's, come on, man. How, who is, they, they, that's, that's who they are, they, you know. Dr. Cornell West, he's running for office. You cannot get no power without having uh, a political educated state, a political educated masses of people. We have to read books that's really going to, there's no need to, to reinvent the, the wheel and come out solutions and solutions. They say the Black Lives Matter movement is a movement. Uh, not to belittle that or whatever, uh, you know. I'm, I'm not when I say the Black Lives Matter this movement. I'm not talking about the the Patty Bourgeois that capitalized and made billions, millions of dollars off it, and when it got a mansion. I'm not. I'm not talking about them that that came and, 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 and made money off it. Somebody came from a hashtag. A movement don't come from a hashtag. A movement come from working class people organizing political educating themselves ourselves. That's where the movement stems from. Kwame Therese showed us and and uh, and, and and did presentations all over around the world, United States of America showing us and laying it out what it takes to do a movement. Mobilizing it's not a movement. Mobilizing and organizing two different things. Mo, you know, mobilizing, mobilizing is going to get you, you know, you're going to get riled up. You're going to do this and do that. Mobilizing is important. It is very important. We need to bring to bring back uh, our political education, community programs. Hell, we don't even have a community anymore. Speaking of the police officers, we don't have communities. We're dispersed, spread out among 
uh, the cities. They were they they ran us out of the cities, or some older folks uh, ran to counties to live to to try to get. They think by leaving the hood, right? <laughs> we're we're doing something better by leaving the hood. Now what we're doing is we're killing our communities when we do that. That's what we're doing. Killing our communities. I think I said on this platform before the communities are going on uh, social social media, and that's that's the way. That's definitely not a community. But I conclude. Thank you, brother. Subukwe, we sort of asked the question: Do you get the message from Mumu Abu Zabal to? Iman Jamil Alameen, to Julius Assal, to Alex Assal. This is American Justice. We will pause for the calls, and when we come back, we will have our final thoughts. You must remember, not yet, Yahoo, we are not free.
That's his real name, Loki. Loki is not his real name, surprisingly enough. It's an important line there. I'm all about peace and love. Yeah. Okay. They're calling him a terrorist. Calling him a terrorist. Okay. One nation in the world has over a thousand military bases. Can you guess who? It's. Um, uh, let me give you a hint. Cutter. It is not Luxembourg. It's not just Muslims that that oppose your imperialism. He's going to tell you who it is. Lumumba was democracy. Mosaddegh. Allende. There you go. Okay, so so this is the rapper. All right, that's mm-hmm. his music. Bust a beat for me. Right? All right, sure. After you divorce yourself from the right wing propaganda campaign, it's all simple and plain. America could stand the game. Your president got an African name. Now who you gon' blame when they drop the bombs out of them planes? Using depleted uranium, babies looking like two-headed aliens. Follow the money trail that leads to the criminal. Ain't nothing subliminal to it. That's how they do it. See the game they run. Give a fuck if he's cunning, articulate and handsome. Afghanistan held for ransom by the hand of this black man. Neo-colonial puppet, white power with a black face. He said, fuck it, I'll do it. A master of the skies, expert at telling lies. Then they gave him a Nobel Peace Prize. Should have known he was trained in Chicago. Word the chairman, Fred and Mark Clark. What they do in the dark will come out in the light. Like a WikiLeaks site. So I guess the crew was right. Who's ready to fight? Last stage of imperialism, I ain't kidding. In the immortal words of Marvin Gaye, this ain't living. Yeah. 
is Obama the bomber getting ready for Syria First black president, the masses were hungry But the same president just bombed an African country like The Jonas Brothers are here. They're out there somewhere. Sasha and Malia are huge fans. But uh, boys don't get any ideas. I have two words for you. Predator drones. You will never see it coming. You think I'm joking? This is the first part of a two-part series. America was never built for Africans. We would like to remind you on this particular date, July 9th, in 1868, the 14th Amendment granted Africans sound citizenship on this date, as well as Dr. Charles Hale Williams, performed the first successful open-heart surgery in 1893, the intelligence of African people. In closing, we'd like to make a couple of announcements. We are to remind you that every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, U.S., you can join Africa on the Moon by dialing in at 1-323-679-0841 or go online by Blog Talk Radio dot com slash after dash on dash girl dash move. Join us and spread the word. If you'd like to become a supporter of Africa on the Move Blog Talk Radio, you can um, email us and make your donation at Cash App to Dollar Sign Capital L Small E Small E Small C Small O Small O Small B or Uzelli to African Awareness Association 2 at gmail.com. Remember, where there's economic dependency, there can be no freedom. We need your help, your support. Come and support us and join us. So at this point in time, what we're going to do is we can go back to our political panelists and analysts, and we're going to ask them to give us a two, many, two minutes Closing statement. I repeat, a two-minute closing statement as it relates to America was never built for Africans, part one. That's all we are discussing today. Who would like to associate themselves in any shape or form with the name America? So let's go to our panelists for today and start off with Brother Moses. Your two minutes closing statement, Brother Moses. The mic is yours. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Brother Africa. 
Um, we we America was not built for for Africans, no. Um, but we build America, and so we have to take what's for the rightfully ours. What our blood, sweat, and tears has fought for, and you know we won the right to our vote on this date, as you said, and um, we have to struggle to maintain that right. We have to struggle for a new constitution, a revolution. You know, we are we are historically con- constituted community of people here. Here and we have to we have to recognize uh, we have rights and um, and that we have to struggle for them. We have to be have our own self determination, independent of of other people. We have to know for ourselves in our own heart in our own mind what our freedom looks like and what the future holds. And you know, without a clear vision, without a, Without a vision, the people perish, according to the Bible, and without revolutionary theory, there can be no revolutionary movement, according to V.I. Lennon. So ideas are important. They may not seem like they are much, but ideas are a material force, and we have to support the international working class by 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 perpetuating the interests of the inter- international working class. And right now, the main direction of the blow is this Israeli-U.S. Zionist project called Israel, which is nothing but a ghetto and a project for Jews uh, and and denying the Palestinian people their historical homeland. And we have to support the Palestinian people and uh, recognize that uh, the injustice anywhere, the threats of justice everywhere, and we have to study all isms, racism, sexism, chauvinism, Zionism, and uh, and be against it. Be against it because it's a political economy, and the 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 aberrations and the distortions and the confusion of the ruling class is perpetuated onto the working class. But we must we must struggle against that these these divisive tactics. And, uh, you know, free ourselves from mental slavery. Only we can free our minds. Sooner or later, we have to take responsibility for ourselves and, 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 and apply ourselves to what needs to be done. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And listening to your closing dissertation, I wonder, I ask myself, and I'll ask this listening panel, panelists and the listening world to respond to the statement next week as I raise this question. What does it say about a people that have this illusion of freedom but no power? Does the two exist? Are the two relevant to have one and not to have the other? And I did say the word illusion of illusion of right but no power. Think about that. Let's have a discussion next week. Next, we go to Sister Eleanor. Two minutes, your closing statement, Sister Eleanor. Well, no, America was not built for black people. It was built by black people. It was built by African people. These African people, it wasn't built for us, but it was built by us. And we're the only people in this nation, other than the indigenous people, 
who have not been received full reparations for our vestiture in building this nation. And the reality is, the, re- the reality is somebody needs to shut the hell up on the radio. I just muted it. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Next, we'll go to Brother Sabukwe. Your final thoughts for tonight in closing response. Brother Sabukwe. Yes, thank you so much again, Brother Africa, for another uh, episode of Africa on the Move. Africa is still on the move, and regardless of all of the oppression that is is, is taken, um, African people are still on the move. We are working every day to organize our people and to political educate ourselves. Join an organization. Join the all all I'm sorry. Join the All African Peoples Revolutionary Party DC AAPRPGC. Join PRSP, Pan-African Revolutionary Socialist Party. Join Friends of the Congo. Join a organization that is working on it on your behalf, the behalf of your people, your family. So we will not have to continue to have these conversations and dialogue of oppression. We can move forward on planning on, okay, we're going to develop this for this society. We're going to develop this. We're going to move forward into uh, transitioning from this capitalist system to a socialist, scientific socialist system. Um, that's what we need to move on to that uh, format. And we can get there if the listeners and everybody, if all of us, continue to strive for working for African freedom. I understand that we built the United States of America, but this country belongs to the native people. Uh, our home is Africa. And we need to we need to bring we need to we need to go home and build up Africa. If we're going to remain here, we need to work alongside with the natives people to help them to understand their history and to organize them. And and that's where that's where we at right now. That's the real uh, the realization, the reality of it. Organize, organize, organize. Join a organization. Politically educate yourself. Two people with a book. As an organization, if you can't, if you can't, if you don't want to join out uh, the organizations that I presented to you, join the organization, Pan Africanism or Parish. Thank you, Brother Sabukwe, Brother Haki. Your final thoughts for tonight. Well, first I want to uh, give my condolences to the family of Dr. Matuba Shakur. Uh, Dr. Gentilis, of course, clearly one of, the, one of the greats, you know, all these great revolutionary men and women who have historically stood up for the interests of African people, for the interests of all humanity, uh, have to be, uh, you know, have to be uh, celebrated uh, in terms of all of the great things they have done in terms of sacrifice uh, to bring about more just harmonious society. So, again, my condolences to the family of Dr. Matulu Shakur. He will be missed. Uh, you know, Brother Africa, you know, one of the things is that, you know, you know, we, you know, one of the things that we, we, we have to do, I think, is this key, is we have to legitimize our own existence. Uh, one of the things in terms of, you know, uh, embracing uh, American society, one of the things we do so, we do so at a disadvantage. 
Because one of the things is that when you when you uplift American society, what you're essentially doing is delegitimizing your own existence. And it seems to me that our existence is more important than any nation state in the sense that, you know, in order for us to persevere, in order for us to, to achieve longevity, in order for us to be all we can be, then we first and foremost understand that we as human beings got a right in terms of being all we can be, you know, uh, uh, you know, under any, under any political economic context. The problem is that once we start legitimizing America, then we tend to give a very short concern to the idea in terms of self-legitimization, in terms of being, you know, in terms of seeing ourselves for all we can be. And as such, and, and, lacking, and because we lack the ability to see ourselves in terms of you know, self-actualization, we, we tend to give it an enormous amount of power to the system at large, which essentially decredits or 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 or, plays or 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 refuses to acknowledge, you know, our our existence as human beings. And so, therefore, it seems to me. So, we can talk about social. We can talk about legitimization. Then it seems to me that first and foremost, we have to understand that we have a fundamental right to self-actualize. A fundamental right to be all that we can be, and that we shouldn't allow any system to stop us from doing that. But to the extent that you know, well. It, possible exist that we can be all we can be, then we got to fully understand the conditions that we find ourselves in the North America. One of the things that the other panelists alluded to, the fact that we built this society. That's true. When you talk about technological, medical, scientific innovations, and in addition to the physical labor that African people have given to the society, we all understand that. That's indisputable. But the problem is that the people in positions of power would never validate that. They would never justify that. They would never uh, they will never create a platform to create that general understanding among the mass of the people because if they create that general understanding among the mass of the people. That means that their ability to maintain the control will be compromised. They're not willing to compromise their power and their control by speaking the truth. So it's simply not going to happen. So it's incumbent upon African people to understand, first and foremost, that you're a human being and that this notion in terms of this, 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 this uh, respect that you give to uh, around this idea of being American has to be secondary to you as a human being. So we have to understand that we have to see ourselves as a human being. And seeing ourselves as a human being, we, we have to begin to stand up and fight for that which is right. I, I alluded to earlier in terms of the economic decline of society. Uh, if you don't believe me, please spend the time to do a little research on terms of economically what's going on in society. I think once you start doing that, it'll open your eyes up to the very real problems that society is facing. And one of the things we're very, very clear on, that there is no, there is no, there is no resolving these problems that society faces. Uh, this system is in decline, and that's no, that's no denying that. No amount of uh, 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 central bank investments, uh, no amount of uh, military, military occupation of foreign lands is going to stop the decline of the capitalist system. None of that's going to stop the decline of the African system, which means that the onus on those positions of power grows in terms of their ability uh, to maintain control. And their ability to maintain control must be executed in and all costs. And so that means fundamentally wiping out millions of people, and that's the cycle what they're prepared to do. Understand, this is not hyperbole. Research for yourself. Don't believe what we say or what I say. Just do research for yourself and find out. The time is now that we must educate ourselves. We can no longer afford to be apathetic or to say, well, listen, you know, all that's fine and good. I'm powerless. There's nothing I can do. I got to simply concede to the powers that be, and I do nothing. Well, you can think that way, but you do so at a great cost 
you know, to not only to to to, to the children, but also the future of African people in the, in the society. Uh, Helen said that Brother Africa is always encouraged people to, to unravel the matrix. Uh, the matrix is key in terms of understanding the matrix is key in terms of firmly, you know, identifying what the issues are in society, how those issues, issues uh, detrimentally impact African people, and what can we do in terms of minimizing those conditions that adversely impact the lives of African people. If we don't do that, Brother Africa, we got nobody to blame but ourselves. Uh, with, you, know, uh, you know, unlike most programs, we keep it real, we tell people what the reality is, up to the people to solve for themselves if they accept it or reject it. But the bottom line is that it doesn't really matter because the bottom line, the people just the power of them do what they got to do to maintain power. And that means fundamentally extinguishing the lives of millions of people, that's what they're prepared to do. Prepared to do. Let's understand precisely the condition that we're confronted with. Organize, build institutions. Time is critical, but they, those things have to happen. I would say that, Brother Africa, you have a good night. Thank you, Brother Haki, Brother Moses, Brother Dubuque, and my sister Eleanor, and my brother um, Anthony, please get well, and to the Shakur family, and to all the oppressed people of the world, to our brothers and sisters, whether it's Colombia, Brazil, Cuba, Venezuela, Nigeria, Ghana, Guinea, the Congo, Iraq, um, Palestine, we are all in this brother together as one. But what we must not do is become self-destructive. Do not allow capitalism to make you become self-destructive and fight against your own interests. And we'll leave you with some music of liberation. And we'll see you next week as we raise the temperature, as we discuss America Was Never Built for Africans. Part two, this is Brother Africa. Signing all, saying, see you next week. And don't forget to make that donation to or buy cash app, dollar sign, capital L, small e, small e, small c, small r, small o, small b, or you can sell it to us, to African Awareness Association 2 at gmail.com. When you see, we're going to take the heat as you define it, you stand behind it. We may not give you what you want. But we do the best to give you what you need. You just a bunch of bunch of nobody, little, little, little nobody trying to be somebody. And when we come together as a collective with unity, we know all things are possible. Yes, as they often say, we must remember at all times under all conditions, Pan Africanism is the key. It will set our African free. So help us spread the word. Get our listenership for the next six to eight months. We're going to increase our listenership to 100, over 100,000 more people. And the only way we can do that is by giving your help to when you get this program. You can email us at AfricaOnTheMove2 at Gmail. We'll send you a link and you can share it with your network. Or directly email us so we know how to send contact with you directly. We will greatly appreciate it. But like always, as Brother Kwame Krumah once stated, we should always strive to go forever, back never, but never be self-destructive. This is Africa on the Move, the 9th of July, 2023. We'll see you next week.
We all agree tonight, all of the speakers have agreed that America has a very serious problem. Not only does America have a very serious problem, but our people have a very serious problem. America's problem is... It's one of two suckers, ignorant brothers, trying to rob and steal from one another. You get caught in the mid, so to crush that stereotype, here's what we did. We got ourselves together, so that you could unite and fight for what's right. Not negative cause, the way we live is positive, we don't kill our relatives. Pop, 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 one is shot, who's the blame? Headlines, front page, and rap, the name. MC, the light hit, the state, the bottom line. The black on black crime was way before time. Sugar brother, life with a knife, that's Cause he died of trifling death when he left his very last breath Was I slept to watch his step? Back in the 60s our brothers and sisters were hanged How could you gang bang? I never ever ran from the Ku Klux Klan And I shouldn't have to run from a black man Cause that's Of 
a silly gold chain Rock chump, word up It doesn't make you a big man And to one ain't going, this your brother man And you don't know, that's part of the plan Why? Cause rap music is in full demand Understand? Needs our love. Needs our love. 
people of
heard you talking about making the world safer and about all the men you have to kill. And you speak so glibly about your civilization and how you have the moral higher ground. While halfway around the world, your explosives smash the buildings, you could only hear the sound. But maybe Jesus would sell landmines and turn on his electric chair. Maybe Jesus would show no compassion for his enemies in the lands way over there. Maybe Jesus would have flown the plane that killed the kids in Vietnam. Who would Jesus bomb? You shout with confidence as you praise the Lord And you talk about this God you know so well You talk of Armageddon and your final victory When all the evil forces go to hell Well, you best hope you've chosen wisely On the right side of the Lord And when you die, your conscience, it is clear You'd best hope your atom bombs are better than the sword At the time when your reckoning is here in the Bethlehem or jets to raise the towns of Timorese. I don't think Jesus would lend money to dictators or drive those SUVs. I don't think Jesus would ever have dropped a single ounce of napalm. Who would Jesus bomb? Jesus hey. Havana, oh, hey. Half of my heart is in Havana, oh, hey. Hey. He took me back to East Atlanta, nah, nah, nah. Hey. All of my heart is in Havana hey. There's something about his manner uh-huh. Havana Young 
was getting more like baby. Hey, I know when I 